Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello, and welcome to our bumper, chocker, crammed full episode, which is basically going to be me talking about EGX. Um, this is Ready Player 2. This is episode something. What is it now, Ross? Uh, we are on number 46. Damn. Damn. 46. Oh, don't give it away, Zero! <laughs> shh, shh. Nobody heard, that. Nobody heard that. I reckon we can get away with it. We'll be okay. Um, so uh, yeah, we're back. Um, t- this week was going to be basically a massive, uh, a massive bumper episode where we all talk about the amazing things that we played at EGX this year. Unfortunately, everybody abandoned me, <laughs> and I was I was the only person uh, <clears throat> officially from the Ready Player Two crew that ended up ma- making it for various reasons. Um, however, we met loads of people there, and we met more than three people <laughs> with Ready Player Two shirts on as well, really? which was really nice. Yeah, yep. People kept coming up saying hi. Uh, a couple of people came up and asked me if I was from Ready Player Two or just had a shirt, yeah. which is nice. So we got recognised. I didn't get recognised, but the shirt did, oh, well. which is better, better than nothing, yeah. to be honest. Um, it's a surprise, um, though, the, this week. Uh, I know it's going to be a shock to everybody, but um, we don't have L this week. You've heard already. Yeah, we don't... Shush, shush, shush. And we don't have... <laughs> We don't have Lewis this week either, because they're all, both off doing stuff. Uh, Lewis is cavorting around somewhere in Scotland. Ellie's cavorting around somewhere in Bristol, I think. Yeah. <laughs> so, in their place this week, shock, horror, and surprise, we have the return of Ciro. Hey, how's it going? Hello! We sent you out so for some I got podcast. one Welsh visiting my place, and I'm down here visiting you as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We sent you out for some podcast bread, like, 40 weeks ago, and you've only just come back. It took a long time to find that trail. The fucking crows kept on getting it. <laughs> That's what it is, man. So, uh, for those of us that met us while we were at EGX, me and Ciro hooked up. We were wandering around. We could be seen... Uh, <laughs> you say have... hooked up. That sounds yeah. really dodgy already. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm sticking with it. I'm st- <laughs> That's what you said last time. I'm, I'm standing by that. Exactly. Uh, yeah, so me and Ciro were missing around the place a little bit on uh, uh, on the Saturday. Yep. Yeah, on the Saturday. So you could have seen us walking around. A couple of people did. A couple of people came over and said hello. Um, we saw loads of stuff. There was tons and tons of games. But before we get into that, before we just start waffling on about EGX for ages and ages, because people might not care. Oh, by the way, if you don't care about EGX, <laughs> so not, um, <laughs> just saying, yeah, it's probably best to find Come back next out. week. Go, yeah, just do, go, you know, go whack one out. You know. it's Unless just... you'd really do, like, just listen to a Scottish accent for a long period of time, and then I would recommend you stay for a bit. <laughs> yeah, stay for a little while, yeah? Uh, stay a while and listen. Come, so... stay a while and listen. There you go. See, I missed that! Oh, <laughs> man, I've got a lob on now. But of course. <laughs> so, uh, before we get into all the EGX stuff, Ross, because you weren't there, yeah. I've got to give you at least some opportunity to talk about what you've been doing the last couple of weeks <laughs> before me and Zero just fucking take it away and run with it. Yeah, so I sit back and re- relax. 
Um, what have I been doing? I've played a little bit of Destiny. Ah, uh, okay. Hmm, I didn't even know you had Destiny. Yeah, I picked it up the other day. I traded some games in and uh, picked it up. It's it's all right. I imagine it's more fun with people. It's about getting in with other people. It's a shame you don't have any friends, otherwise you probably. Enjoy <laughs> well, that. all my friends, they just gone and bought that stupid PlayStation system. So. Why would they I do know. that? Zero's, Zero's with me, he's an Xboxer. But yeah, I've, got, I've played a couple of um, missions with my brother in law who's a level 25. I'm not a level 25. That's no fun. Yeah, <laughs> you really want to sort of get a nice balance between people about your level and sort of kind of go through it with them. Otherwise, uh, yeah, you kind of left high and dry, really. Yeah, I've never died uh, and respawned so many times in a game in such a short amount of time. Now, you see, if this was on PC, I would say hook up with a few people that you've never met before, get into a conversation, yes. get some good levels going on, have a bit of fun, and then hopefully add them to your friends list, come back later, maybe they're online, mm. you hook up with them again, carry on playing, have a really good time, and you get to make some good friends. I've made some amazing online friends over the years. I met a guy who uh, I've known for about seven or so years now who I met on an MMO, and I met him at EGX this weekend. Oh, it was really good fun. Um, met him before, been on holiday with him before, in fact. Oh. So this is, this is you can make really good friends <laughs> online like that. Um, Must be love. Yeah. <laughs> My wife was there. Um, <laughs> just, just saying. Um, but yeah, you can make some really good friends like that. However, since you're on Xbox Live, you're fucked. Yeah, do you want to know what else is an issue? Uh, I always make female characters in games, so that's an issue as well. Ah. Yeah, I can imagine that that being a problem. Yeah. Because not only are the complete fucktards on Xbox Live, but now there's complete fucktards trying to get in your knickers uh, on exactly. Xbox Live. Mmm, terrific. <laughs> I, uh, I put my control down, I just pressed like, the dance button and put my control down and went to sort out my daughter for a bit. I came back, there was about ten characters sat down in front of me, just watching my person dance. Oh, wow. Get God. out, lads. Well, <laughs> the thing is, you know for a character, for a fact, they may be down there sitting in front of you, but behind the control pad, <laughs> you don't. Uh, yeah, yeah, you don't exactly. want to go there. Yeah. Exactly. The CIA was sitting there looking at a lot of connected. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, but yeah, I've played that. I've played obviously Madden, um, and quite controversially, not for you guys because you don't care. But I'm not going to buy FIFA this year. I'm going to buy Pro Evolution Soccer instead. Oh, oh, no, is I back. Just care. I do care. I care about that. Now, I've had this problem for a while. I don't hate football games. I don't even really... I don't hate sports games in any way, shape, or form. I've played sports games. But I've never enjoyed FIFA. Since the game, since the Mega Drive, I've never been a massive fan of FIFA because it's just it's too slow. It feels like a football simulator rather than a football game. Um, but Pro Evo, I had Pro Evo 6, 7, 10. <laughs> I love them. Back. I love them. There's a demo on Xbox Live now, and it is amazing. Really? Yeah. They're just great games. They're just great games to play. Forget about all the fucking realism. And granted, they're a lot better than they used to be. But it's just I get get a load of guys down in your in your living room and play four people on the consoles. Great for them. Mm. Yeah, I've, I'm having a great time with it. I'm definitely picking that up when it comes out. And FIFA can uh, sit there in the shop and not buy it this year. Same yeah. can't, can't keep releasing the same game every year. Well, I feel yeah, like I think it becomes a breaking point for everybody, doesn't mm. it? Yeah, well, we're going to get onto that a little bit later on as well because it's uh, something of a wrestling game that me and Zero. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> There's some issues with. You yeah, mentioned so that. And then apart from that, I, um, I've now joined you, Rich, in the world of Android. Something oh, I yeah. never thought I'd do. So you've ditched the iPhone. Yes. So you didn't you didn't fancy a bendy phone? No? I I looked at the iPhone six, and from my basic knowledge and after having a massive fight on Twitter with uh, Mike from the Geek Show um, <laughs> I've, uh, I didn't think the iPhone 6 innards were much improved from the 5 what I had 
So I've now got a LG G3, which is like carrying my um, iPad around with me all the time. It's fucking massive, yeah. but it's nice. I've got to be totally honest, and this is a real shame, actually, because I think Apple have been innovators mm. for years and years and years, and they've been ahead of the curve. Android wouldn't be what it was without um, without iOS, yeah. and basically the mobile phone industry wouldn't be the way it is at the moment without Apple trailing, you know, blazing some trails. Yeah. However, they're boring now. It's boring. Yeah. It hasn't oh, changed uh, enough. There's not enough options on it. And also, I'm quite, I feel dirty reading all these news reports of Apple going like doing a complete about face on policies that were put in uh by by the late great uh, leader of their company mm. and he he was very very strong on certain things we will not allow keyboard replacements yeah we will not allow people to replace the keyboard on their phone because we should be making the best possible keyboard you know all of that kind of stuff and they've done since he's gone they've made a complete about face about it and I, I would imagine that he's probably spinning his grave right now see you, you say that but they've still got some new like I'm, I'm not really going to go pro, all pro here but you look at some of the new innovations of it the iPhone 6 can be fantastic de- well depending on the angle you look at it <laughs> but it's also one of those things it's one of the only ones you can throw it and it'll come back to you <laughs> yeah exactly yeah it's, it's, it's a self re- self-returning phone the um I've not got too much problem with that because that's been blown way out of all proportion. Yeah, of course. We all know. And I think pretty much everybody who's making a, making a joke out of Ben Gate on the internet is, knows exactly the same thing. <laughs> but but it's my biggest problem with them right now is that they're just a bit boring. Yeah, that's my issue. Like, I've, I've, had, I've had the same one. I've had an Apple since the iPhone 4. And I just felt it was time for a change. And I, I had, before I had the iPhone, I had a HTC Hero, one of the early Android phones, and I didn't like it, but... I went back and I love this thing now. It's brilliant. Good. Well, so you're good. older, more mature man. You've got a family and you need a sensible phone. Exactly. And then when the <laughs> iPhone 7 comes out, the, the innovations they've made then will look amazing to me. Well, I hope so because they're not going to look amazing to anybody who works in Apple. No. The, um, <laughs> I, I, the, just to rock the boat a little bit, I'm considering possibly getting a, um, a Windows phone. Ooh. my next because I've, I've almost done a similar thing with Android. I've had Android phones for so long now, and I've not got any particular problem with Android phones, but maybe time for a change. Something something different. I, have had a, I have had Windows phone before, and if I'm perfectly honest, I'd rather have syphilis than get another one again <laughs> of the generation that it was, but there's been a lot of changes. I had one of the really early ones. Yeah, it does look nice. Anyway, yeah. anyway yeah. we're talking phones. We're talking yeah. phones. That's not fucking yeah, games. Oh, well, we can segue into it, because, you know, Windows phone, Cortana, Halo. <laughs> Beautiful. You Did either play EGX. Halo EGX? <laughs> No. Terrific. <laughs> <laughs> that segue was absolutely smooth. Is that all you've done this week then, Ross? Uh, pretty much, yeah. I've been working and looking after my door and that sort of stuff, you know. Boring. Boring Being adult. adult. Yeah, rubbish, yeah. Oh, Jesus, adult. I can see it with the bunny ears when you're saying that. And <laughs> yeah, I've been sat on the floor eating crisps playing video games a lot of times as well. Yeah. Uh, see, that's yeah. fine. Zero. Other than EGX, what have you been doing this week? Unfortunately, I've got the, the sad news. I've had a flood this week, so I've been spending most of the week trying to repli- repair and replace some consoles. Um, I had a somebody left a tap on the kitchen, which flooded the rooms. I lost a PlayStation Three; it went pop. And pretty much almost lost a Xbox One, and it got the rekindle of life only last night. So my whole gaming has been out the window this week. When you say someone, um, yeah, not you, someone. Not me. <laughs> um, otherwise, I'd be a lot more pissed off at the fact that my computer's been popped. Yeah. No, um, an unknown person of one of the other rooms or tenants in the house right. um, is not owning up to admitting, but um, 
Yeah, the, it was a bit problematic. Um, prior to this, I've been playing a lot of Destiny. Still playing a lot of the Titanfall. The new uh, update just got released, IMC Rising. Yeah, you're doing Game Watch, aren't you, every Thursdays? Yeah, I've, um, I've taken this Thursday off, much to the um, dismay of a few people <laughs> Sorry, to um, re- return. Um, but yeah, the IMC has been running, so we've we've been kept up the tradition of game night Thursday night, so Titanfall is normally the poison of choice. Uh, Destiny's been keeping up. I've played uh, played and finished, just so you know. I wanted to get this in here because you fuckers always took the piss of me. I finished Diablo 3. <laughs> the great unfinisher. The great unfinisher. Don't even bring that back up. But yeah, I sat and I played and I finished. Thinking about you guys, I finished Diablo 3, um, oh. which was actually really amazingly well done on the consoles. Yep. Has it got Reaper of Souls out on the console as well? Did you play that? Yep. I've, I've done that, those missions as well. See? And what did you think of the whole game? <laughs> I loved it. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? And right, I played on PC. I didn't finish on the PC. Don't start with the unfinished <laughs> stuff. Now, I put it on the console because my friends were going to get it. It's always that sort of good multiplayer. It's got local co-op as well, so a good one to play when your mates around the house. But it was surprisingly comfortable. You know, I'm so, I always thought that game was you're going to need the mouse, you're going to click the f- to death. But no, it really worked well on the, the controller. Yeah, it ported it really well, didn't it? Yeah, the, I, I, just I, I got work. a chance to play it. I mean, because I'm obviously a massive fan of it on the PC, but I got a chance to play it on a console recently as well. I was surprised because I've always been of the opinion that there are certain types of games that are PC-based. They're, they're mouse and keyboard games. You can't yeah. put them over into a console because they don't work properly. So top-down games like Diablo have always been one of those. I've always been very much of the opinion you cannot make a control scheme on a control pad that I'm going to be happy with with a game I like that. I couldn't have agreed more. Yeah, but I was wrong <laughs> because they they pulled it off. So, yeah, no, it was it, it's an enjoyable game all around now. It's, I think it's a little bit of a shame that they haven't ported those control pad changes into the PC version so you can plug a, an Xbox pad into your PC and play it that in the same way. That surprised me that they've not hmm. done that. But, yeah, either way, bloody good. So that's on, that's been pretty much me. I've, I'm waiting to catch up a bit more on Destiny and looking to play a lot more of the new updates to Titanfall. Okay, just quickly, because um, I haven't played it yet. The Titanfall, um, the new mode, which is just all pilots. Have you been playing yes. that? Yes, I have. Now, I played Titanfall, and I had a problem with that before it came out, and I'd just like you to either confirm or deny this. <laughs> the, pro- the, the problem that I have with an all-pilot situation is the pilots are really, really fast. A lot of the time, yep. you can't even see what the hell's going on. Now, that's fine if you're in a Titan, because you've just got a honking great gun. And you just kind of spray the area, and you're probably going to get them. However, if there's just a load of pilots fucking it around like crazed Energizer bullies, <laughs> I, I would have thought that you just can't hit them, that it's just a real problem. Now, when you're running through buildings and stuff, all right, that's not too much of an issue. But on some of the other maps where you can really jump all over the buildings and stuff, I, I just find it difficult to believe that there's going to be much killing going on. It's just going to mostly be dodging and, and running out of the way. Is that true or no? I've I've really sort of played into it I, again. I was I'm completely with you. I thought it was going to go that way, but what we found out is when we started playing, there's a few problems. Which is when you go to pilot v pilot, you go up to eight v eight, which is there's a lot more people to kill, which is a problem if you start in a, a party of eight people and then you suddenly want to play Titans. You kind of got to say, okay, which two friends are going to fuck off so I can carry on playing with my other mates? <laughs> problem no, number easy one. Easy choice. Easy choice. <laughs> Yeah, it's usually me on my own. <laughs> now, the other problem was, you're right, uh, the pilots are generally fast, there's lots of wall running and everything else, but with 8v8, especially on some of the larger map ones like Angel City and such like that, what you discover is a lot more campers. 
Really? Fighting force. As as the pilots, I didn't. Yeah, that. you start seeing. Well, they start laying up and they start taking out the sniper rifle because hmm. a lot more people. You can start building up your sort of rewards and achievements based on what weapons you use. So you start using the weapons you're not familiar with. Hmm. One of them being the sniper rifle. So a lot more people start in the smart pistol as well. The smart pistols has made quite a comeback in the Pilot V Pilot. I quite like that. I can get on with that. I hate the, one of the compact SMGs. But yeah, you start finding people sticking to zones, which is kind of to catch out those people who just constantly fly through the map. It's like the spiderweb approaches. I'm going to sit here <laughs> and I'm going to wait for one of these fuckers to run through and then you're dead. See, I never really saw Titanfall as a tactical combat <laughs> game. They've, they've managed to pull that off. That's quite good. I'm still a little bit annoyed about that, what they've managed to do to Titanfall in the... Um, in the esports arena, because it could have been much, much more than it is, and they've neglected it to the point where I, they've almost killed it. I think. I didn't even know it entered the esports arena. Well, it, it could have done. It could have done. It was, it was heading in that direction, but they mm. haven't, they haven't brought out things that they promised they were going to do, and private servers and all the rest of it. And it's just, but anyway, right. So that's the end of that. Can I talk about what I've been doing this week before we go? Please. Oh, good God! Thank God. <laughs> by the way, um, by the way, I just wanted to point out because there may be the odd person out there who doesn't know who Zero is, and it didn't really occur to me. It didn't really occur to me at the beginning of the podcast because everybody should know who Zero is. I'm a transsexual squirrel from Scotland. <laughs> exactly. Um, so uh, he likes to grab other guys' nuts. So, um, <laughs> if you, All winter. If you're a recently, more recent um, listener of Ready Player Two and you haven't gone all the way back to the beginning, um, Zero is one of the founding fathers of Ready Player Two. He started the podcast with us uh, way back when Lewis was the host and I was just a random guy they plucked off the street. Deep, um, deep, sexy voice in episode one. Yeah, with my deep, sexy voice because I was ill in episode one. I was painting, <laughs> I painting one of the bedrooms. Um, and yeah, Flaming Beard of Doom, our first episode. Sarah was there and you were here for probably ten or so episodes just after yeah, that. Yeah, so that ten episodes I think it was. Yep, and then unfortunately life got the better of him. <laughs> A little bit more than it managed to get the better of us. And uh, he went off to, to bigger and greater things. Bigger and greater things or... Work. <laughs> work. Pretty okay. much work. <laughs> the workforce daily life, unfortunately, I couldn't make the commitments to sort of ensure I could be here for the podcast, so um, I took a stand out, really. So we replaced Zero, we pl- replaced a gruff, Scot- uh, gruff Scottish man with a giggly uh, Welsh girl. Screaming nutcase from Wales. It was a, it was a natural transition. <laughs> <laughs> well, it works. She loves horror games as much as I do and it's can... Uh, Add more to conversation from a different perspective. It yeah. could have been a better fit. And breaks up the sausage fest. Yeah. Which, Indeed. to be honest, it was either that or we're going to have to get Ross a sex change. Yeah. Not yet. Yeah. No. God, a six foot seven girl Ross. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> stuff of nightmares. So, right, this week, um, stuff that I've been playing. Robocraft. Uh, because it's amazing. They've made a load of changes to Robocraft and they've uh, perfected things a little bit and they've tightened things up and they've added different features. It's still free. Love it. Um, still free? Cool. Still great. Still a great game. Love it, love it, love it. Uh, and I've also been playing a game called um, Long Live the Queen. Yeah. Is that the visual novel style one? That is a visual... It's, it, I'd, I'd call it almost a life simulator, but it's it's, it's, it's bizarre. It's, it's difficult to explain what it is. It, it, just go and watch a YouTube video of this thing, or go and watch the trailer. The trailer does a brilliant job of portraying what this game is. So head over to Steam, Long Live the Queen, Forget about the art style because I know there will definitely be a lot of guys out there that look at the art style and go, "Fuck no, I'm not playing this shit," <laughs> and they'll probably throw up some gang symbols while they're doing it. Buy some guns, right? Exactly. It it's not fucking cool. It can uh, remind me of that Princess Maker where you know you see her here, Princess Maker, <laughs> not touching on that with a barge pole, but then you play it, it's surprisingly dark. 
don't know what Princess Maker is, but I'm all right. Um, I hope I'm yeah. getting the right one and not getting the, the hentai one next time. <laughs> all right, we're not we're not going into that again. We, yep. we did a whole we did half an episode of you talking about websites. That you <laughs> right. So this this game is effectively uh, the the premise is that you are a, a princess. Your uh, something happens. Your mum dies. Or something, yeah, your mum's dead. She was a queen. Uh, you're now a princess. You're 14 and you're heading up to your coronation. And effectively, you have to survive the year. So you are given every week you've got or every day you've got given a series of classes so you've got to choose what classes you take and that trains her up in certain things and there are fucking tons of things to choose from and you can get better in random things like horse riding and i don't know dogs (laughs) falconry yeah seriously some random shit in there like ballet and and then there's other things like um foreign intelligence and public speaking. Anyway, there's loads of things like this, and you get to pick and choose what you do. And as the story progresses, uh, events occur that you can only get either a positive or a negative or a middle reaction to these events by having certain skills. And you might get a medium reaction to an event by having one skill, a positive by having a different skill, but you can't just pump loads of points into that one skill to get past that bit because then you'll have sacrificed other points for another bit. And It's a balance, but it's an awful lot of fun. The best part about this game is it is not afraid of just killing the main character, but killing the main character in these brilliant, brilliant ways. So she's kind of a cute anime drawn style girl. Um, and the first time she died, she get, she got shot in the stomach by an arrow. That's the first time she died. Well, I was, it was not the last time she died, by the way. <laughs> I can point that out. Um, and then you get a lovely little picture of this poor princess with a ruddy grey arrow through her stomach and loads of blood coming out all over the place. This is the picture you sent to us and said you should play this. It's like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I think I posted a bunch of the deaths that I got on Twitter. Yeah. Um, some of them are kind of obvious, like somebody delivers you some some chocolates and you don't know who it was that delivered them to you. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, I'm not eating them. <laughs> um, but yeah, and you literally have to try and survive and all kinds of crazy stuff happens and there's magic in it. And uh, It's a good game. It's a good have game. Have you managed to survive? Yes, once. <laughs> I was extremely pleased with myself. It wasn't the best ending in the world, I've got to be totally honest, but I completed it, got to Coronation, ended the game. It gives you kind of a little uh, story about the choices that you made during the game, what the long-term reactions of those choices were, so how the kingdom survived after after the game had finished and all the rest of it. It's great. It's a great little game. It's an indie game. It's not very expensive. It was recently on the Humble Bundle. I think there was a Humble uh, Girls of Gaming Bundle. Right. I don't know if that's still available. Let's have a quick look. Humbly bundly. Humbly bundly. But it's a good one for Uh No, it's not available. It's not available. Yeah, there was a re- the, recently there was a humble uh, Girls of Gaming bundle, I think it was called, and it had another fantastic game in there called Lily Looking Through, which I really, really like. Okay, which wasn't... is a uh, point, point and click adventure game. It's a lovely game, that is. Anyway, I've been doing that this week. I've also been playing a little bit more of a game that I played at EGX, but I'm going to go into that a little bit more in a minute when we talk about all the EGX stuff. So is that it? Is that everything that we've been doing this week? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. That's it! Yeah. Right, we're going to have to fucking barrel directly into EGX, but we're going to let everybody else have a little mind breather. So go away, right? Look at some porn or something, just as like a palate cleanser, just to like cleanse your mind. Or well, this place has really never changed, has no. it? <laughs> have a look, or just some cats, just go look at some lol cats or something, just, you know, something sedate that, that can cleanse your mind, then we're going to launch straight back into EGX like a well-Vaseline fucking hooker, right? <laughs> we're doing it. Be right back. <laughs> 
our video game industry is hotter than ever this season, and one good reason, Nintendo has introduced some hot new toys. But have things gone a bit too far? This evening, Ken Shockney wraps up a special report on video mania. Does this really have to cost this much? Where should the anger be directed? Not at the parents, but at the what? The manufacturer does. So it has come to this. Therapy sessions for families whom you could call Nintendent. First of all, the peer pressure starts. I feel maybe exploited. Psychologists' offices might get more crowded this holiday season. Just in time for Christmas, the Japanese toy maker Nintendo has come out with a new set of electronic video games. At $200, a Super Nintendo setup costs twice as much as the old system, and you can't mix and match. For the money, the company promises better pictures, sound, and adventures. Some of the new games look like updated takes on fairly well-known formats. In the racing game of F-Zero, you're in a futuristic race car. Oh, I guess I should watch where I'm driving instead of talking. The 3D effect, as you can see, is pretty good by video game standards. This is a nice clear stretch, even if I am in reverse. Let's see if we can't turn the car around right about now. If you're a real good player, meaning you've got the skill of a 9 or 10-year-old, you can even try to jump your car. But look out. If you miss, the game lets you know your status. Some parents are refusing to be taken in. I'm going to say no, and I'm going to explain to him how people market things to make you spend more money. Nintendo controls 80% of the video market, though some game players prefer the pictures of its competitor, Sega. But no matter how you play the game, or which game you play, things definitely have come a long way since Pac-Man. Ken Shocknick, Channel 4 News. Right, we're back. If you don't want to know about EGX and all the amazing games that were uh, were on and around the floor at EGX this year, then uh, I'll be totally honest, probably better that you go do something else. Because <laughs> uh, that, that is entirely what this podcast is going to be about. There was absolutely tons of stuff at EGX. Me and Cyril were there. We're going to talk about them. So if you don't like it, uh, fuck, off. fuck off. Yeah, just... Uh, <laughs> You know, politely, I'm, I'm just saying politely. Yeah, please come back next week. Yeah, trot on. So, uh, have you gone yet? Go on, off you pop. Right, so, uh, <laughs> me and Cyril were at EG- EGX this year. Unfortunately, none of the rest of Ready Player 2 crew were there. However, we did meet a lot of friends, a lot of friends of Ready Player 2, and uh, we went around, looked at a lot of games, got behind the scenes on a few games, and met some, some lovely, lovely people that worked on all these games. Right, the first thing I want to talk about, Ciro, if you're available. Yeah, I'm here. Good. Right, first thing I wanted to talk about is just generally the state of EGX, because if you've not been to EGX before, if you've been one year and not been another year, there's something. That, there's a couple of things that we need to point out about it. The first one is, next year it's not going to be in London anymore. Hey. So uh. this, Which is really weird, because I'm pretty sure this is they're doing a complete reversal, because this year, EGX Res was in Birmingham. Mm. And EGX was in London at Earl's Court. Now next year, I believe they're are they knocking down or refurbishing Earl's Court. Apparently so. So uh, they're they're flipping it, and effectively EGX is going to be in Birmingham at the NEC, and EGX Res is going to be in London. <laughs> the only person that benefits from meeting at Birmingham is you, basically. Yeah, effectively. <laughs> uh, but that's fine. That's I'm not like the only person. <laughs> like everybody else there is going to be there. Oh, this is shit. Yeah, literally the only person. Going, yeah, woo, pump it up. <laughs> So, um, yeah. Um, now, last year, we all went last year. We all went last year. Um, it was a pretty big affair. There was a lot of games. Um, this year, Jesus Christ, it was huge. Was it? It was absolutely massive. It was much, much better laid out. They'd opened up the second half of the upstairs of the top floor, which wasn't opened last year. And there was absolutely tons. Like, way, way too much to get through in two days, which is it, which is all I was there. Um 
The only thing that I've got to say I was a little bit disappointed about was uh, they'd crammed the poor old indie guys upstairs in the in what last year was the AAA adult section. Right. They'd crammed all these indie games together. So there was tons of shop floor. There was tons of floor because they tried to make the downstairs much more open so that people weren't all crammed together like they were last year. And um, what you ended up with was all this all this spare floor all downstairs and all over the place. And then upstairs, where the where the indie game section was, was absolutely jam-packed. You couldn't move. There was no elbow room. <laughs> the thing is, they had right next to that indie section, they had that sort of, uh, like, the walk-through old retro-style indie sort of stuff. And it took up way more space than needed. I'm talking, this was just standard PC sort of console styles. Okay, yeah, it was indie. I can't remember the name of it. It was, um, oh, it'll come to me now. The retro, oh, I can't remember. The left, the left field collection. Yeah, left field or left wing collection or something like yeah, that. Yeah, something like that. But they had this gigantic sort of long promenade sort of area. But the majority of the indie stuff just seems so compacted. It was, it was very incestuous for them. <laughs> yeah, I've got to be honest. Out of the entire VGX, that was the only thing I was disappointed about. Because there were some great games there, like Dream, for example. The guys from Hypersloth are there again this year, and we spoke to them. Um, there were other games that, that deserved way more floor space than they actually had. Um, and we couldn't you couldn't get to them last year for example dream had the, an oculus rift they had a nice bit of uh, a bit of space bit of land to spread out into this year there was just two pcs playing the game and people were queuing up to try and play it you couldn't get on it <laughs> there was no room there was no space to do anything so a bit of a shame so if anybody from egx is, is listening to this obviously you're not going to be at earl's court next year but fucking pay attention <laughs> the indie the indie section needs more space yeah, that's one of the major reasons that i went to egx in the first place and not disappointed by the games by any stretch of the imagination but disappointed about the amount of floor space they were given in relation to everybody else so you know sort it the fuck out quick question yeah um oh, oculus rift was it there much this year Yes, there was an entire Oculus stand this year oh, yeah. as well. Yep. Actually, quite a few of the stands have their own. If they seem to be supporting Oculus, they definitely seem to have their own little unit as well to show yep. up. It's still a big thing. Okay. It's still all, still all over the place. Um, it was it, yeah. the, the DK2. That, actually, to be honest, I think if anything, Facebook could probably help the situation. If anybody is just kind of shift slightly to the Oculus Rift a little bit now. Um, if anybody was at EGX this year or if anybody has been keeping up with the Oculus Rift, there's something out at the moment called the DK2. Now, what we played last year was the DK1, the development kit one. That is what made me ill, right? So this year, kind of reluctant to give it a go. But fuck, <laughs> you know, fuck it. I've got to try these things. So uh, vomit bag on hand, I decided to give it a shot. Um, it was fine. It wasn't a problem. However... Still slightly pixelated, still slightly fuzzy. Now, I know that the fuzzy issue is to do with the... Uh, I can't remember what they call it, but there's a, there's a measurement that you need to take between your pupils. And um, because, obviously, loads of people were using the Oculus, they had to set it to kind of an average. And I've got something of a big head, so I think that was probably an issue for it. Um, but it still wasn't quite the resolution that I was expecting it to be. Now, to my understanding, prior to it being picked up by Facebook... What is currently the DK2 was going to eventually have been released as the retail version of the product. Right. They've decided. Really? Yeah. They have decided, which is great. It's still a fantastic piece of kit, don't get me wrong, but in my opinion, not quite there. They've decided, and probably due to the influx of money that's now come in from the purchase, not to. They're going to make one further revision of the product before they bring it out as a retail version to increase the resolution, make a couple more tweaks, which I think is perfect because just a little bit more, just a touch more on it, and it will be an absolutely incredible product. The only downside to this is that very shortly Sony are going to be releasing their 3D headset, yeah. 
uh, which is going to be uh, PS4 compatible. I don't know if it's going to be available uh, compatible with the PC, possibly. Um, and I think there's a little bit of worry that they could potentially do quite a lot of damage to the virtual arena before the Oculus manages to to actually come out in a released version. Mm. Don't know, but that's the state of the Oculus Rift at the moment, okay. in effect. Um, right, where the fuck were we? Where the fuck were we? Uh, oh, another thing I wanted to point out as well is that last year there was something of a, a certainly when the um, the the PS1 and the PlayStation 4 came out. Um, PS1, sorry, the Xbox One <laughs> and the PlayStation. Fucking hell. Don't call it a one, you stupid people. It was a a PS1. It's not my fucking fault. Um, Yeah, so the Xbox One and the PS4 came out, and there was a big argument about that shows, you know, who took it. So at E3, they said that Sony completely stole the show. The PlayStation was was a complete winner. I've got to say, EGX, same thing happened. Same story. Same story. And it wasn't the PS4. It wasn't even the hardware that did it. It was the people. I walked, I mean, half, they had the same amount of floor space mm. between them, you know, so they had a, a big old stretch of floor for the, uh, the Sony side, big old stretch of floor, same size for the Xbox side. Now, the Xbox guys decided that they were g- going to take up pretty much half of their floor space with uh, a Call of Duty Advanced Warfare bo- booth, yeah, and yeah, queue. Massive, massive thing that loads of people could get in and play the game. The rest of it was taken up with loads of freestanding arcade-style machines, pods, right. um, which felt really impersonal and you were just kind of walking in and it was very quite it was quite cramped and then the rest of it was just a small staged area where you could walk and see what was going on on the stage it didn't feel good it didn't feel personal it didn't feel like you were kind of it felt really cramped and i felt jostled i felt, felt like I really of... difficult to kind of look at what was going on because you had, they said with being cramped you had to sort of gather around only like one person playing a pod and there could be there could be upwards of like seven seven plus people trying to get around and just see have a look at the game it, it was yeah. difficult you knew each other very personally by the end of it. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was all of them things. Um, and I felt, I also felt like because there were so many people trying to move through the Xbox area, you unwittingly entered on one side and kind of got moved through like a tide to the other side. Suddenly you're the, you're the other side of the Xbox uh, floor space and you're like, how the fuck did I get here? Uh, and you didn't really get to see anything on the way. On the flip side of things, the PlayStation side of the floor, the guy, there were loads of them. They, it was nicely spread out. There were guys, there were um, there were Sony representatives all over the place. They were polite. They were nice. They were asking you how everything was going. They were stopping you and asking you if you wanted to play a game. They had loads of different games. They had pods, but they were nicely spread out. Now, I'm not a PS4 kind of guy. I mean, I haven't owned a PlayStation, well, currently I've got a PlayStation, but prior to that, I've always been an, an Xbox owner. My PlayStation is broken at the minute, so fuck it. Um, Join the club. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, 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 I didn't flood. I didn't flood mine. Mine didn't go sailing off to sea in a big pea green boat. Um, but the there was also a lovely little touch, which was there was a, a PlayStation Plus lounge, and it wasn't very big. But there was a bunch of games that you had to queue up to play. Drive Club, Little Big Planet Three. There was a little bit of a queue to play all of these games. Now there's this PlayStation Plus lounge. If you're a PlayStation Plus subscriber, you could go up. Uh, you tap in your user ID. They check to make sure it's you. They give you a little wristband, let you in. Lovely, lovely big seats, like a sofa. You could sit down and play these games that there were queues for elsewhere without being bothered. You know, they were giving out Haribo. They were just, they were just throwing like Haribo around all over the place so that you could sit there, eat some Haribo, play some games without having to queue for them. There was a giant like seventy-something-inch screen with FIFA playing on it. There was Destiny, Little Big Planet Three, Drive Club. Lovely touch. It, it felt was... like a nice lounge. Yeah, it just felt brilliant. It felt like they were rewarding you for being a PlayStation Plus subscriber. Yeah. And I thought that I thought it was just a really nice touch. And on top of that, they just put on much more. They also had 
a much much more laid back feeling indie section the, the the xbox indie section as we said was pods it was all stand-up arcade style pods and they were in like alleyways where you really had to cram in to, to get and play and you were pretty much back to back with the other person that was playing the game opposite you behind you good. the indie section in the playstation area was just beanbags all round, so like a big circle of beanbags, and then TVs, and you, with control pads coming out, and you just plonked yourself down on the beanbag, monged out on the floor, played a game. You know, it's one of the things you brought up about the Xbox section. The, did you ever notice they had that sort of velvet rope, sort of, you're entering a nightclub sort of feel to, they just tied up everything? Yeah. I didn't yeah. see a single velvet rope or sort of enclosure style with the Sony section. It was no. just very, we're open here, come, come sit down, come hang out come check out the games yeah. with the Xbox one it felt like hey if you want to come in pass the bouncer here's some playing cards you can kind of collect and you might be entered a competition if you wait 19 hours in a queue <laughs> seriously they had this collection thing they were doing which was if you play this game you get a trading card right. if you get yeah. all six of these trading cards you get a shiny trading card <laughs> Yep. If you get a shiny trading card, you get entered to a competition that you can win a Sunset Overdrive Xbox. Right, yeah. Gorgeous system. Don't get me wrong, it's gorgeous, but six games with an average wait time of, you know, a couple an hour plus a piece. Yeah. I think yeah. they did they did a similarish thing on the uh, on the PlayStation side where every time you played a game you got a stamp. But the PlayStation guys were just going, Oh, you played a game? Stamp, 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 stamp. <laughs> <laughs> it was there you go, there you go, off on you go, off on your way. But no, it was it was way more inviting, it was way more open. I'm not gonna gush about this too much more, but it makes a big difference. I came away from that show feeling very much like the Sony guys, the PlayStation guys cared about the gamers that they weren't just pushing marketing crap on you they wanted to give you a pleasant opportunity to play these great new games that were coming out on their consoles whereas it felt very much on the xbox side of things that they were trying to ram it down your throat cattle herd you back out the other side again so that more people could come in and have that ram down their throat so that was how it felt i don't know if everybody got that experience but that was how it felt so i'll say one thing on the xbox side that that was nice for me was the sheer fact that their stage that they had set up when when they were doing stage shows okay it was in the middle of the cattle market but the stage shows and presentation stuff was fantastic yeah they had some great people on the microphones don't get me wrong and yep. they were they were doing they were doing a bang up job i just didn't feel like i could stay there and watch them no it was too hot and too no, crowded yeah i was worried that i was going to be bummed without really knowing who had done <laughs> it so Okay, that was the, that's the kind of the state of the show. The rest of it was great. The rest of it was all quite nicely laid out. There was loads of stuff to play, as it was last year. That was kind of the state that the show is in. I'm hoping that they can keep up that momentum because it really feels like every year the show is building. There's more there. There's more going on. There's more new games. There's more new developers coming in. It just feels like the thing's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And for a, a UK, a UK-based show like that, an expo, biggest thing, brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, this is absolutely amazing. Right, Rich, talk to me about Alien Isolation. Oh, Jesus. Ciro, <laughs> <laughs> do you want to go first on Alien Isolation? Did you play this? I only got to look at it. I didn't actually get a Sean playing about From the facial expressions that I was watching, <laughs> I was in stitches standing behind him. So you can really tell. I don't know if I'm going to jump into your bit on this, but the amount of people who must have had their hearts in their throats, and I'm talking you can make diamonds with the butt cheeks, <laughs> 
it looked kind of funny. So, Rich, you, I know you've got a shot on it. Please tell me if I'm right on that. Okay, What's yeah, the experience? Well, there was a guy next to me while I was doing this. Now, I went in to play this game a few times. I'll explain why in a moment. But there was a guy, the, probably on my second time in, there was a guy sat next to me. He shit himself <laughs> so badly. And bear in mind that the headphones that we were wearing are fully enclosed headphones. You could pretty much hear nothing that was going on around you. I heard this guy scream. I thought he was going to... I thought he was going to die. He shit himself. He dropped the pad. He, it, we were only on these little stool things. He looked like he was going to fall backwards off the stool. Three or four of these guys at alien, the alien isolation stand, they were there in a, a millisecond. And I don't know whether they seen this happen prior, like earlier on in the day or something. This guy was wigging out he was shaking <laughs> he was it was unbelievable and he didn't even look like like he was a reasonably you know he was a, a not a big guy disposition. But, yeah, he didn't look like he was of a nervous disposition at all he looked like he was absolutely fine but it was a scare it was after a couple of times after you got the hang of it it's not that scary but the first few times that that alien gets you in that game good jesus christ <laughs> It is going to scare the shit out of you. The thing that I love probably more than anything about this particular game, the guys that were running the stand at Alien Isolation were absolute legends. They were fantastic. While everybody was queuing up, there was a guy that was going up and down the queue, and I didn't see this happening anywhere else, and there were some big queues there. There was a guy that was in, uh, in like, not army fatigues, but kind of in a, a, a kind of military jacket and stuff like that, walking yeah. up and down the queue, saying to people, right, is everybody ready? Are we all good? Are we all psyched up? Is everything looking really good? You see that smoke coming out the top of there? Because they had, like, a smoke machine on the inside. You see that smoke coming out the top of there? Yep, that's the fuckers that didn't survive the last round. Are we all ready? Are we all ready to go in? Yeah, he they was... had that proper hype, man. Was yeah, great. He, was, he was psyching everybody up. He was keeping stopping people from getting bored in the queue uh, when you got in they gave you a great little introduction on the game they were funny they got everybody involved and then in you went and you went in knowing that something bad was about <laughs> to happen and it was it didn't disappoint it was it was scary as hell it was a time trial based game now when i went into this the very first thing that happened to me was i broke the xbox <laughs> So I've gone in at this point with a couple of people that I'd met up, a couple of people that I'd, I'd met at EGX. I went in, started playing the game, I was in it for a couple of minutes, and uh, the, the, it just broke. So the goal is, the particular section of game that they were showing was a time trial, in effect. You had to get to the exit. Now, most people never got there. In fact, most people didn't get further than 10 feet. So you've got, like, the... Um, the motion tracker that, that they have in the alien movies you are supposed to sneak around there is a single alien there is one alien right. you have a flamethrower right obviously aliens don't like fire so as you're creeping around if the thing gets too close to you you fry it with a flamethrower you have one shot <laughs> right uh, and there are goals that you've got to achieve while you're moving through this level. There are tunnels that you can crawl through, like air vents and stuff like that. And at every available opportunity, your character is going... <sighs> you can feel the heartbeat coming through the pad. Um, the Your hands are shaking, so you can you can see the kind of character's hand shaking. The um, the focus, so when you're looking at the, uh, at the motion detect, the motion scanner, the... You know how the kind of uh, the field of vision blur, so it, you're focused on the motion scanner, where the rest of the screen is blurred because you're not fo- your character isn't yeah. focused on that. And then suddenly you'll see a black shadow fly yeah. across it. Oh my god! You're looking around. It it was nuts. It was a, it was a scary game, and it was it obviously got a few people. After a while, I did what I normally do and go, oh, "Fuck it, right? I'm just gonna run." <laughs> Um, I didn't get very far. However, in this time trial, there was a competition. If you got 
in the top 10 for that day, you won a t-shirt. If you got the number one for the entire day, you won this like limited edition Ripley bomber jacket thing that was in the movie or something. And this thing's supposed to be worth a bunch of money. So in I go, I'm shit. I, I failed miserably, crashed the console. I, I get let back in. I like it. They're just like a pity play. They're just like, yeah, you can go back in and play the game again because you fucked it up the first time. So all the guys that had, um, that had been with me, they stayed in to watch me play it. At this point, Clarky, who listens to the show, we've mentioned him quite a lot of time, he'd seen me through the curtain and he's come back in. So I've now got like a congregation stood behind me who are pissing themselves every time I fuck it up. Yeah. Anyway, long story short, on the very last run, I just go, do you know what? Fuck it. They've come across, they've tapped me on the shoulder, and they've gone right times up, and I've gone, bollocks to you, and sprinted. Yeah, which is a stupid idea. I got incredibly lucky. I don't really understand how that is, but effectively, the guy at the time had a top, like, the the fastest time he had was like two minutes and four seconds. I sprinted, hit the alien with the flamethrower exactly the right time, did this engine thing that you've got to do, got back to the elevator, which I didn't even know where it was, I was just running around in circles for a while. And got a time of one minute and seven seconds. Wow. At which point, the crowd behind me, which was now comprised of all the people that were with me and about four staff who were hoping that I was going to leave at some point, threw their arms up in the air and went, "Yeah!" <laughs> <laughs> and after that, uh, the beautiful guys at the Alien Isolation booth basically just let me back in. <laughs> <laughs> they were they were absolutely great. I, I went back up. There was basically no queue, and they just went, "Yeah." guys head on in oh, nice. just go go and give it another go um i got absolutely trounced eventually i went back in a couple more times somebody beat me i went in again uh, beat his score then somebody else beat me i went in again beat his score and then somebody got 28 seconds what? Uh, yep 28 it beat the entire level in 28 seconds <laughs> and that basically ain't gonna happen <laughs> because not a fucking cyborg <laughs> so i gave up at that point but this is what happens when you've got great guys running a stand because I wasn't actually all that bothered about going to Alien Isolation, mm. I will be completely honest. And I think the the guys that were running the stand and the, the experience of the game kept me coming back to it, had a great time. Okay. There you go. That's a lot on Alien Isolation. Now, before we go too much further, you probably noticed that this is going to be an awful lot of me talking. Yeah. There's going to be zero talking as well, but, but this is like a normal episode for most mm. people, but because I was the only person there, this is what you're fucking going to get. Also... There were a lot of games at EGX that we didn't get to play. I don't think most people properly appreciate the size of this show. And being basically only me there for two days and Ciro there for one day, there was absolutely no way we were going to get around this entire show. So if there was a game that you were really looking forward to hearing about and we didn't play it, and you don't get to hear about it today, kind of sorry. Uh, but it's tough shit because, you know it's uh, not for a lack of trying it's just where they choose which one we start hitting mm-hmm. how long we can really spend on those cues more than anything else well I think we should yeah. do we should go um, I'll, I'll take the lead here I'll direct you back and forth so Sarah can go next we'll do like three or four big games that you've played the most shall we Yes, yeah. yeah. Well, there's, there's not tons of big games. We can skim over a couple of them. Yeah. But, yep. uh, yeah, let's go. go. Zero, what did you play? Well, the one I had to play, and the one I can even went back at, as much as you went to um, Alien Isolation, I went back to Evil Within. Ooh. Uh... Now, <laughs> I know this is the one El would have wanted, and it's the one I was wanted, and it's the one I was most nervous about. Not because I was it's a scary horror game or anything like that. I just wanted it to be good. Yeah. It's the one it because I was let down so much with Thief, I wanted this one to be right. It had to be everything I wanted. I've heard so many good things about it, and I just didn't want it to be hype. Mm. So, and I was prepared to admit it sucked. I was prepared to got in, and man, it was everything I wanted it to be. 
You know, if you love Resident Evil 4, and that's how I can only justify it, it plays, it looks, it acts kind of like that, but so much more. It, the music, atmosphere, um, the fact that you couldn't spe- speed through all your bullets, every shot had to count. It was fantastic. I really enjoyed it. What, um, what system did you play on? I, I played it on the Xbox One. Okay. I just like to point out that I got a little bit of an inverse view of this game. I'm going to let Zero finish, finish it because he, he knows what happened to me on this, right? So we'll go over that in a minute, but you, you, finish, you finish what you were saying. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that in a session. Now, I don't know how many of you know about it. It's, you know, it's your base, you play the character, the main character is a police detective called Sebastian. Right. And the mission we got is we were in Rubik's house, Rubik being one of the main sort of antagonists of the story. And the voice actor for Ruvik is Jackie Earl Haley from Rorschach, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, um, Guerrero from Human Target. Again, plays a fantastic performance. They've got the right actors in, they've got the right voices, and, you know, the whole approach to the game, I loved it. You know, it was, what was done right? The mission we got was just a basic mansion mission. You run in the mansion, door slams shut, and how you approach, there's fantastic areas to approach. Um, I, I almost want to call them zombies, but they're not zombies or viruses. That's um, Resident Evil's thing. Yeah. They're actually called the Haunted. Right. Uh, white eyes, and if you pay close attention to them, the Haunted, you can pretty much tell by their mutilation how they died. Wow. So all the Haunted are based on things, and you see how they died by what markings or mutilations they have. And if you shoot them in the face... Their head's not automatically going to explode, but you'll see a bullet hole appear in the face <laughs> or in the body, and it's very, quite cool. It was that. a gorgeous-looking game. The level of detail that they managed to cram into that thing was absolutely oh, brilliant. There's a few niggly bits where I had, um, you know, they've got a proximity bomb thing that you can duck under, <laughs> and you can duck under it, which was fine. You know, I'm, I'm happy to duck under it, but when, when the haunters start walking in the hallways, they didn't set it off. Ah, uh, right, okay, yeah. And I was like, come on, that called bullshit, shenanigans on this fucker. What, what the thing is, and like, yeah, I think I've met, maybe it's like a, a sense of life proximity, like, ah, bullshit. <laughs> Bullcrap. <laughs> Bullcrap, I call it in that. But, um, Ruvik, right, let me just, a uh, quick thing about him. They have these boom mic moments where the screen flashes, a sort of bluish colour, music kicks in, and Ruvik appears, transparent, ghost-like motherfucker, appears and starts stalking towards you. Right. If he hits you, he takes you down to one health. <laughs> so you never feel like you're completely safe, because this can kick off anywhere. I played it three times, and it was never the same space he came. Okay, good. The problem so it's like, is... It's like an Outlast kind of effect to this exactly, game. Exactly. If, if, if it was like Outlast, Outlast, where you had to hide, there was also, if you ever played the old PlayStation 2 game Clock Tower 3, mm. that sort of scared to it. So I thought, you know, I'm going to... Can he just sprint away from Ruvik? Yeah. He teleports in front of you. <laughs> there was there was brown trouser moments everywhere. It was beautiful. <laughs> He's just a big floaty transparent cunt. The, uh, now, and we'll just quickly go on to Rich. You played it as well at the same time as me the first yeah, time. Yeah, exactly the same time as you. God, did I get a different experience. <laughs> <laughs> so while we were queued up to play this game, um, the we I saw a couple of times there were some people that were playing and they were they were walking around every now and again. One of them had just got tapped on the shoulder by one of the guys, the guy uh, that was working at the stand. They'd move the one of the headphone earpieces off him and kind of go say something. And 
then the guy would go, oh, okay, and then they'd go and do something else in the game. I saw this happen three or four times. I was thinking, oh, they're just giving them advice, yeah. you know, advice of things to do. Now, I'm sat there playing. While you when you enter this mansion, you can go like kind of straight forward, you can go left, you can go upstairs, or you can go right. Now, this made a big difference. <laughs> this made a big, big difference to your experience in the game. So everybody else either goes upstairs, or I'm like, fuck that, I'm not going upstairs. I know what happens when you go upstairs in horror movies. <laughs> fuck that. So I went right. Mistake number one. <laughs> so, off I go. Now, effectively, I'm creeping around the rooms. I'm trying to be quiet because I know the shit's going down. At one point, I go into a room, and the room kind of goes blue. I'm just like, right, well, I'm just going to get in this wardrobe. <laughs> I get in the wardrobe. The room doesn't go, like, the, the blue's gone. Okay, fine. That is the extent of the scariness that happened to me, right? <laughs> so I go, I come out of the room. I'm looking around. I find some stuff. I go into another room. I find some more stuff. I go uh, into this thing. There's, like, a little puzzle. I try to work out what the puzzle is. Can't work it out, so I leave. Uh, I go back into the entranceway that I was in originally. Um, there's another door, so I go into that door. There's a mirror. I look in the mirror. The mirror goes glowy. Now I'm in a kind of sepia universe. Okay, fine. So I'm going to have a look around. In the sepia universe is a woman there with a typewriter. I get a tap on the shoulder. Guy moves my headphones off and goes, right, so... And I, bear in mind, I've been walking around the sepia universe now for about a minute and a half. Right? So I'm walking around this room going, what's this all about? Oh, this is quite interesting. This guy taps me on the shoulder, moves my headset and goes, um, so... You know in like Resident Evil where you've got the save rooms where you've got a typewriter in yeah. there? Well, that's this, right? <laughs> so that woman there with the typewriter is going to save your game for you. But there's no point being here in the demo, so just leave. And I'm like, <laughs> why the fuck is it in the demo then? Yeah. I've been in here for a minute and a half of a ten minute demo trying to work out what the fuck is going on. <laughs> I thought I had to do something in here, right? So, so then I go back out and then I go into a room. There's a corpse. I look at the corpse. He's not, he's not going to get up give him a nudge with my foot <laughs> then there's like a bomb on the wall so I creep up to the bomb on the wall and you can disarm the bomb on the wall excellent um, a little needle comes up and it goes to spin round so the needle starts spinning and there's a little area that you're supposed to hit with that needle and if you hit the correct area then it doesn't blow up if you don't hit the correct area then it does blow up so it flies past that area and I'm just like well I'll just wait till it circles all the way around and comes back again and then I'll hit it it gets to, it gets to 12 and just blows up <laughs> it doesn't go round a second time <laughs> the problem is if you don't know that that's going to happen you'd be fucked yeah you did so yeah so I blew up and then started all the way at the beginning again and then the guy tapped me on the shoulder and went game's over so <laughs> fuck off so I didn't see a single ghost I didn't see a single <laughs> zombie thing I saw nothing so I was, now this doesn't mean the game's bad it looks fantastic that I could get the creepiness and the eeriness from it and I was but I was watching other people play the game as I was leaving People are fucking, there's zombies coming at them from all angles, they're firing shotguns, there's a weird creepy guy that's floating around, a couple of them are dissecting brains. Oh yeah. Dissecting fucking brains. Yeah? But I wasn't I dissecting, music we were ramming iron probes into the brain at certain points. Whatever the fuck they were doing, I didn't get to do it. So, now, I'd just like to point this out. Alien Isolation. Elite Dangerous. These, are, these kind of games gave you a narrow scope. They put you in front of the console and went, this is it. We've put you in a box. This isn't the whole game, but this is a very narrow, focused part of the game that we want you to experience and enjoy. Yeah. And you got that experience because you couldn't do anything else. Mm. This game, they put you in a level. And they hadn't edited this level. They hadn't changed it. They hadn't tweaked it so that you had a experience. They didn't kind of guide you to areas that they thought you were going to find interesting. They just put you and in you it. You had the whole experience. Yeah. But the problem is that in the te in ten minutes, it's very possible that that experience is going to be nothing. Yeah. 
Especially if you leave the fucking save area in without any explanation of what the fuck it is. Well, admittedly, they did have guys in the room who were pointing out to people who did go into the save area, let's not go there. I know, it's just stupid. I, I just felt it was... Uh, there were a couple of games that did this at the show, and I think people need to spend more time thinking about the code that they're going to be putting in front of gamers, because this, this kind of show will make or break games for a lot of people, and there will be some people that did what I did in that yeah. game, and they won't buy it because of it. So there needs to be more thought put into this kind of thing. But anyway, I did see other people playing it. It looked like they were having a great time. There were loads of people coming out talking about it, which is always a good sign. So that was my experience of it. I think the funniest part for both myself and Rich, we both finished at the same time. We both walked out and you started looking at me. What do you think? And I'm going, it's fucking awesome. <laughs> it's like, really? And I, mean, I killed so many things. I stuck things in braids. <laughs> things came out and ran at me. And he went, you shot something? <laughs> I, I went in the I was I went to the courtyard and shot crows and picked up ammo. I'm like you stop playing it like you're at home. Play it like a demo. I went into a wardrobe and saw a woman with a typewriter. <laughs> like, oh, I was like, yeah. you said, yeah, the screaming blew. I ran in the wardrobe. My head went. What were you hiding from? I don't know. I just. <laughs> <laughs> I, was like, I, I, I was not fucking around and looking at this shit. It went blue. I left. Shit went down. I got in a wardrobe. Shit went down. I know how well this happens. I left. Please tell me about so, any but... dangerous. You're well excited for this. Okay, so Elite Dangerous, uh, for those of you that haven't seen it, I have spoken about it on the podcast before, but it is, if you've never played Elite, which you might not have done because it won't be, but won't be that many people that are possibly old enough. If you've ever played, uh, either Wing Commander or the X-Wing games or, um, Freelancer or anything like that, it is an in-cockpit, <clears throat> uh, space flight combat simulator type thing that, in this particular game, also happens to be an MMO, or, or a quasi-MMO, because there is a single-player mode as well. Um, and the graphics are incredible. It's an enormous universe. It's been incredibly well thought out. There's all of the kind of stuff that you'd expect from this kind of game, if you've played one before, which is like space trading. Um, there is a very, very rich kind of multiplayer environment where you can trade things, you can get bigger ships, frigates, freighters, you can protect each other, you can go out hunting pirates. Loads and loads of stuff. Anyway, I've seen the game before, I've seen loads of videos, I got to play it on a DK2 Oculus Rift while I was there. Holy Jesus balls. <laughs> if there is ever a game that is going to show you exactly what the Oculus Rift is capable of, this is fucking it. So another beautiful touch with this particular game stand while we were there is that there was about 20 or so um, seats around a, a big round table. Every single seat had an ambassador, what they call uh, the elite ambassadors. Every single person who sat down to play that game had their own personal explanation of what was going on, of what you had to do, of how to play the game, of what the background is and all the rest of it, and to help you out. There was no kind of, oh, I'm stuck, can somebody come over and help me, and then waiting. The guy was there, and he was talking to you in your ear through the entire experience, explaining what the game is, when it's coming out, all the rest of it. Yep. It was a brilliant touch. It was that personal touch that I think probably got quite a lot of people excited about the game rather than just playing it. But with the Oculus, now I've, I'm playing this thing with a flight stick because obviously when you've got a, a, the Oculus on, you can't see the keyboard and mouse. It'd be very difficult because you lose your fingers on the keyboard. So I've got a flight yeah. stick. So I've got kind of the accelerator in my left hand. I've got the, the flight stick itself with pitch, uh, your and roll in the right hand. If you look down with the Oculus Rift in the game, you see your hands, <laughs> right? A digitized version of your hands. As you move the, the stick, the flight stick, the exact same movements are made in the game by your digital hands. Nice. There are various computers inside the ship. 
that, that let you perform communication or tell the computer or tell the ship what to do or if you've got certain sections of the ship that are overheating you need to vent st- something or turn those parts of the ship off and stuff like that with the oculus on the way that you access those computers is you look at them <laughs> so you look at the computer which then it turns on and the little hollow screen comes up and then you can use kind of the d-pad that's on the joystick to to control what's going on on that computer but the entire time you're still flying you're still flying the ship so it's still moving on top of that while you're fighting in this particular instance it was a dogfight with another ship um normally if the ship kind of goes up and above you you have to turn your entire ship because you've got a narrow view you've got what your monitor can see you've got to turn your entire ship to see this guy getting back in your crosshairs and shoot at him <laughs> with the oculus rift on because the entire kind of uh, cockpit is a glass canopy you can just look up so <laughs> so this guy's up above you trying to evade you you just look up it's a natural movement you don't even need to think about it you just look up you see the guy you know exactly what you need to do to get back behind him again and off you go you pitch and pitch and roll the ship it was unbelievable <laughs> it was and it I was just a good point on it is you played that with the uh, the oculus it was a dk2 and you didn't feel like shit afterwards and i didn't feel like <laughs> shit it was it was i tell you what Considering there's so much more to that game on top of just the, just the space combat, it, it was it was just incredible. It was it was one of these things where, for the first time, and I've played the Oculus Rift a few times now, for the first time, I really thought, Jesus Christ, this completely changes this game. This makes this something that it, it don't get me wrong, it's a great game anyway. And Zero played it without uh, without the Oculus on as well, but it's just it's just it was one of those things where you felt like you were in the game you felt like you were in the ship you were flying around and and you were shooting this guy it was just brilliant how is it, it was without, without the oculus sir is it still well that, without the oculus it was, again I've, I've got to agree with fresh i'm not a big flight simpler or space combat i think i played homeland or something like it came to same home world that was it i played that like once or twice you know and Playing this early dangerous, the guy stood next to me. I was doing, I did three flight combat missions, and he again he stood next to me. He, he talked me down. He says, "Oh, you know how to use um, the radar very easily." I was like, "Yeah, it's kind of the same as Assassin's Creed," <laughs> but um, yeah, it played really well. And to the extent where I'm probably going to be picking this up, and I only play like I would more likely to do the the piracy and the trading style because that's more of what i would kind of like to get into mm. but if the worst element for me would have been the flight combat i played the flight combat and enjoyed that enough that i might consider it there so, yeah, there you go and if you're not into flight combat games it's even worth a look even if you're not now i've actually played the game since at home on my PC. So, uh, with a mouse and keyboard. It's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. They've recently made, uh, they've recently released Beta 2, and today I think they're going to be bringing out Beta 2.3, uh, 2.03. Um, it's just as good. It's incredible. I mean, granted, with the Oculus Rift on, it transforms the game entirely, but even without the Oculus on, it's an amazing feeling game. I kind of miss having a flight stick. Playing with mouse and keyboard works well but could potentially work a lot better. I'm probably going to try it with an Xbox pad to see if it's any good with that. But uh, I'm fucking excited about this game. I've got to tell you. I've got a friend called Lee who keeps telling me about Elite Dangerous. He keeps telling me to get into it and telling me to get into it. And they keep saying, I've got no money. Shut the fuck up. (laughs) But uh, I've, I've played it now. I'm hooked on it. I have to get it. And I've got to say... This this is gonna get make me get an Oculus Rift. <laughs> this this game alone is going to make me get an Oculus Rift. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, very 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 excited about this thing coming out. Okay, let's move on. Zero Dragon Age Inquisition. 
again, this is coming out at uh, the 21st. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Of November, they had a few stands on show for Dragon's Age Inquisition. And what I was interested to see was the multiplayer element. Okay. Now, um... Obviously, most people know about the single-player game. The game was built heavily for the single-player, the tactics. They tacked on that doesn't influence any, the, game any, the, game, the game in any way, shape, or form. Doesn't influence the game. Does not. <laughs> no. Um, the multiplayer element. So, I don't know if it's on a separate disc or that, but you have a whole multiplayer game as well, which is four-player co-op. Um, you have a choice of, I believe, 12, 12 classes. Right. Um, so they're not your main character from the game. You just pick archer, assassin, ranger. You know these style characters, male, female. Yeah, you build up up to level twenty. Think Mass Effect free multiplayer. Ooh, okay, how about that? Where you just got together with four people, you went and then you just steamed into a wave style game. Yeah. This is more. There is five missions. And you proceed through this mission and get challenges towards the final boss at the end of the mission. It looked good. It didn't look perfect. What did you play on? This was, again, on Xbox One. The PlayStation always seemed to have a bit of a bigger crowd. Yeah. I wonder why. Probably because we saw this one. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a bit clunky. You seem to get stuck behind objects quite often. Oh, okay. Or I certainly did. I thought I was doing quite well. But I'd be running behind a banister and I'd just get locked when all the people are in a fight and just couldn't get out from behind this banister easy enough. Camera angles can be a bit tricky as well. That's slightly worrying because if it comes out what, next month. Indeed, 21st of November. Must be a final build. They're playing, I'd imagine. Almost, yeah, definitely must be a gold release build. I've got to say, though, there were a few games there that I found out after playing them that the actual build that was on display was from a few months ago. Ah, right. I don't know why, why they decided to do that. Um, a notable uh, one of those was WWF 2K15, um, which we'll talk about in a minute. <laughs> uh, but I only found out after playing that game that I think the build was from was a six-month-old build. Yeah, E3 uh, build or something, wasn't it? Or some, something like that. Um and uh, it's still unforgivable. Mm. I don't. I don't give a shit. You've had six months. Fuck you. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we can talk about that. In a moment. All right, cool. Um, I'll, I'll say one for more bit more about about the good side of Dragon's Age before I start ends on me dissing it completely. <laughs> the game played slower than the single play would do, but the di- big difference is you cannot pause. Where in a single player game you can pause, go to top down tactics, you plot out your course. You had no time to do that. Oh, really? You really had to rely on your teammates. 
Kenny doing what they did, if you pulled together, you were going to complete this mission. We didn't. <laughs> now, you definitely got a feeling of you really had to know not only what your character can do and how to position best for your character, but what everyone else could be doing and how they should be positioned. It felt like an old school role play game where you're you're planning to go, okay, you've got this monster in front of you, what he's doing. Mm. I liked it. This is to end it on all this bad stuff. It made me put my pre-order in. Oh wow! Oh wow! Because at, even at the end of all the bad stuff, having each individual person doing the strengths, weaknesses, and plotting out the voice communication you're going to need to with your friends, it made it really quite fun. Okay, we we really sucked. I'm not even just <laughs> joking around a little bit. We we got slapped silly. Because we were so disjointed, I think I'd one like I was stuck behind a banister. Another guy, I think he didn't make it into the room, <laughs> and there was two people fighting the monster. But for one piece, we were in cohesion, and it worked so well. And we knew what we were doing; it was coordinated. And then I don't know what I did, but I went the wrong way, and I'm sure people were calling me names <laughs> more than usual. But it had this element of it working, just that role play feel of getting together with a party, you know, the warrior and rogue mage style and everything, yeah. and just fucking something up beautifully. Oh gosh, you got me excited Done about right. This Done right, I think it's going to be good. Plus, just the amount of, uh, you know, customizations, different weapons, you're not stuck with one set. Like, Mass Effect 3, you can unlock and bring in so much more to each sort of character. Yeah. There's apparently billions of combinations you can do in one group. Wow. And that seems like it's going to be fun for me. Yeah. Okay, Rich, guess what? What? Else knows, so you can talk about Call of Duty. Yeah! <laughs> I'll tell you what, before I do that, I'm going to blast through a couple of games right. because there's a couple that I just wanted to skim over and I don't want to spend too much time on them. Drive Club. Um, played Drive Club. There was quite a lot of hoo-ha about this. If you're a driving fan, if you're a driving game fan, you might like it. Um, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I didn't really like it all that much. Um it is it's okay the problem that I've got with this game is a problem that I have with a lot of games in, in so much as it's more of a driving simulator than it is a driving game yeah. and I take exception to that kind of thing because I enjoy playing games more Gran Turismo than Burnout uh, yes oh god definitely but even so it was it was great looking don't get me wrong it felt quite nice when you did things well most of the time you didn't do things well now there will be people out there that actually burnt around the tracks were uh, fucking amazing at it and had a really good time that wasn't me <laughs> it was far too much of a of a simulator it was far too much of an over the top hyper realistic thing yeah. for me <laughs> if you're into that kind of thing I'm sure you love it but I wasn't particularly that bothered um, the Little Big Planet 3 uh, played that for a good little while. There was two playable levels that we played that we played on there. Played as Fat Sack and Dog Sack. Um, I was ask you if it's that great. Was fat yeah, I played as Fat Sack, man. <laughs> um, the, it was great, actually, incredibly enjoyable. And it, there's a few different play styles that are in this particular version, and they showed them off really, really well uh, on the day because each different type of sack has got their own particular special ability. Yeah. So Dog Sack can like run, wall run almost a little bit, and um, Fat Sack can like make himself big and small, so he can he can like uh, make stuff drop or make stuff go up yeah. and he can ping himself out of water great fun it was we had a really good time on that i played that with uh andrew tanner from um wow. from palace of wisdom yeah um we had a really good time on that i also played lego batman th- uh three yes, that was this on Gotham. 
Do you know what? At the beginning, kind of boring. <laughs> uh, you play two two levels in this game. It was kind of boring at the beginning. It was yeah. a traditional style uh, Batman game. You got loads of different suits for each character, and it was just kind of like, oh, you got to go here. Now you got to change into this particular suit. Now you got to do something, yeah. and it just felt a bit, oh, you know, like they were going over the top. And then randomly, after a while, you end up in the spaceship. <laughs> Uh, which is, I guess, beyond Gotham part, yeah. and uh, and you're in space, and now suddenly it's like Galaga. <laughs> if you've ever, it, it was crazy. It was like over the top, unbelievable space combat in a Lego setting with these massive Joker kind of uh, like teeth. You know yeah. the, uh, the Joker teeth thing that, that are coming at you, flying through space. There's two of you, so there's fucking craziness going all over the place. It's going around and around a space station, and that, it was great. It was really good fun. And then, you, and I've never been, you know, that bothered about the Lego game. Yeah. But I really enjoyed that. And then you land on the space station. You get given two new characters, which is Cyborg and the Flash. So I'm like, fuck me, give me the Flash. (laughs) Uh, That was cracking. So you've just got this guy that's just razzing it around the screen with the kind of... um with a patented flash style, you know, lightning coming off behind him and stuff yeah. like that, beating people up really fast. Great fun. Oh, okay. I enjoyed it. I thought it was good fun. Um, FIFA 15. Did you play? A little bit of FIFA 15. Uh, I didn't. No, <laughs> I did stand there. I did stand there watching somebody play for a little while because I felt like I kind of had to. Um, after I started feeling myself become impotent, I decided to leave. <laughs> um, it was. It looks okay. It looks like a FIFA game, but with grass. It's the. I don't know. The analogy you made for Drive Club. I think fits perfectly with FIFA as well. It's the simulation game, not the yeah, fun arcade I game. I don't know what it was. But I think I probably spent more time watching this guy watch replays of shit that he'd done <laughs> than actually doing stuff. Oh, I hate those guys. And there was stuff like that on the big screen as well, where they were having competitions of people playing FIFA. Mm. And I swear to God, they were, they, they were doing more of the replays. And in the replays, there's like quite photorealistic grass. Yeah. So there's like the balls kind of flexing and bouncing in the grass and like the grass is swishing over as the characters or like the players are tackling through it and all the rest of it. and I was like I don't fucking care I don't care play a whole game just to watch the replay didn't care it looked alright don't get me wrong the people that were playing it looked like they were having a good time but uh... <laughs> see for me there's not been an, a good football game since Red Card oh amazing <laughs> uh, right anything else I want to just blast through? oh Minecraft now I didn't know this how did I not know this but um, there was Minecraft on the PS4 yes. with four player split screen yes mm. is that a thing yeah how did I not know that was a thing <laughs> I, it's like I didn't even know, I did Minecraft, not know that, that's that's not that surprises me that you didn't know on the console seriously I don't rock with the Luddites most of the time I play on the PC uh, you didn't mean that Tony <laughs> totally do uh no i don't i do if i had it on the pc i would play it with everybody because i know a lot of people do um the only other thing that i would say is splatoon now i didn't play too much uh, i didn't play anything i didn't to be fucking totally honest i didn't play anything on the nintendo stand whatsoever because it was fucking weeaboo kingdom <laughs> I, you could not fucking move seriously i did not i do not fancy standing in an area where i'm three times the age of everybody else <laughs> Right, waiting with all these screens. Now, I did queue up for Splatoon because I know you were telling you. You said you got to go play it, and a couple of other people said it looked really good. And I met with uh, with Neil, and he said it looks great. You got to go play this game. I queued up for it. I was there for about ten minutes. They had eight um, pods, uh, and it was like four v four. Each group of people was playing for ten minutes, and there was about twenty people in the queue ahead oh, of me. Yeah. Fuck that noise! I'd look at it a bit, but I wouldn't have queued that long to play it either. Nah, nothing. <laughs> so I stood there for a bit, and I swear to God. A couple, of, you get a couple of dirty looks, you know, at these shows. You know, you bang into somebody or you do something that people don't particularly like. Yeah. I have never had such vehement fucking looks at a show <laughs> than when I left this queue. Right? It's because and, you left and you didn't give them your street pass. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 
street pass. Um, the, yeah, I, I walked out the queue. I just said, right, you know, no, I'm not, I'm not queuing for this anymore. And stupidly, the people behind me were giving me dirtier looks than the people ahead of me. <laughs> yes. I, I've just let you move forwards. What the fuck are you giving me dirty looks Thank for? You half an hour of your life. Yeah, it looked a bit dangerous in that Nintendo stand, <laughs> so I left. Uh, and the other one was SingStar. Now, as I'm going to mention in a little while, um, I was hanging out quite a lot with Andrew Tanner um, and Chris from T-Pal yeah. uh, this weekend, uh, and Lauren as well. Had a brilliant time. They're completely bonkers. We played SingStar. Now, Chris and Lauren started off playing SingStar, uh, and they descended into what can only be described as heretical screaming. Um, and eventually, Chris kind of did the whole boom, drop the mic and walk away. But it was kind of halfway through the song, and the mic was a phone. <laughs> so the guy was the guy who had given him the phone was looking a little bit weird. So I got the phone off him, and I carried on. Now, there's a PlayStation stand right next to us, and they're doing like an event. <laughs> Every- Everybody stopped, <laughs> and everybody was looking at us, and I felt kind of weird. And at the end of it, people clapped. <laughs> so we were, and the best thing of all, we were singing "Let It Go" from Disney's Frozen. Yeah. Oh dear God! Like crazy, crazy people. And I got, I got to point out, I didn't start this, right? Chris and Lauren did, but I, uh, I ran, I took that, and I ran with it. Eventually, when I finally got the mic, uh, and somebody actually went up to Lauren and went, "You're amazing," and shook her hand. <laughs> We were just singing like complete lunatics. Good fun, though. And instead of having microphones, what you do is you install an app on your phone, yeah. which is hooked up to the same Wi-Fi network as your uh, as your console, and you use your phone as the microphone. So no need for additional peripherals. Fuck you, That's Nintendo. That's kind of cool. Yeah, quite like that. So big, big finger up to Nintendo there. Mm. Um, so there you go. That was that. I think that that's me blasted through the majority of the AAA games that I glanced over. You know, that do, you wanna, do you want to do quickly the WWE Oh, I was hoping to spend a bit more time on that. So, so run for a few years that you played briefly or... Yeah, you just skirt through a couple like I just did. Actually, most of the time I spent, it's hard shouldering quite a lot of people, so I look at the Dead Island 2, it looks fantastic. Dying Light looks much more superior to it. It's got everything kind of on that side, but just a little bit more and a little bit more interactive. Mm. Had a look at Far Cry 4. Oh, yeah, how was that? Um, I didn't rate it. I kind of was a bit let down it didn't seem to flow as good as i thought it was i, d- now, I didn't get to play it i uh, don't know if rich you did or didn't get a chance this is, this to is but Far Cry 4. yeah yeah i played it oh um oh. I, was, I was disappointed <laughs> oh shit <laughs> i was disappointed and i get again i think this is probably another example of them having a bad code um mm-hmm. it was it was a bad section of game to put people in front of with absolutely no supervision whatsoever um <laughs> uh, the game looks, don't get me fucking wrong, it looks incredible. The section that I was on, you have a grenade launcher, you're firing grenades all over the place. Buildings are exploding. Uh, there is, you know, big plumes of earth being sent up when, when you hit the ground and it explodes. There's like a kind of... Raiding the little, elephant. Uh, yeah, I didn't go on the elephant. I, tried to, blow, I tried to blow it up. Um, <laughs> was it? There was a, a helicopter you get in at one point. I couldn't work out how to get out of safely, so that caused one of my deaths. <laughs> The, the, the other major problem with that game is the load times on it were horrific. That was the killer I could have seen. Absolutely horrific load times. So you got on it and you, you played it and you only had a certain amount of time to play this game before you got kicked off so somebody else could get yeah. on. The load times were so punishing that every time you died, you were just sat there thinking, for fuck's sake. Yeah, clock's ticking. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was kind of annoying. Yeah. Um, I'm sure that had you played... It, it, it felt 
like that you were a good, you know, four or five hours into the game. Yeah. So you were expected to know what the fuck was going on and how to play it. Now, I've played um, Far Cry 3 all the way through a couple of times, mm-hmm. and I still couldn't get to grips with what was going on. There was obviously a play style that I was supposed to understand, and I, I just didn't get it. So I died an awful lot. I didn't feel like I was getting into it. The load times were killing me. Mm-hmm. It, I just, I, did, I didn't enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> there you Fair go. Zero, yeah, um, also, uh, the surprise one for me, again, shouldered, was um, Battlefield Hardline. I didn't think this game was going to be rating highly on my radar. Um, I still, maybe, maybe not, but it's looking likely I may actually get it. Just, I always thought it looked like a bit of a DLC experiment experience that they're just trying to cash on to at the end. Yeah. I actually seen some of the maps and people playing it, it looked like a proper multiplayer experience, you know? The maps were huge, and the best part of all, and it might be small and silly, was getting into a car. Yeah. You know, you weren't getting into a Jeep, you weren't getting into Humvee or tank or anything. You were getting into, like, a fucking car and just driving across and a normal sort of city escape. So Hardline is, is... Is it Cops View Robbers, basically? So, it's Cops View Robbers, yeah. yeah. Well, that's always a fun and, game to play. You know, you can handcuff your people in the, the, <laughs> You can tase them, then you handcuff them, and as you handcuff them, basically, it pops up on your map for a limited time where everybody else oh, is. Nice. So basically, they give you the information on where their teammates are if you can handcuff them. Okay. So there's lots of little nice little bonuses to it. So I don't know, but it looks more likely. Um, what else we see? Dying Light was fantastic. Um, Sega's new Hatsune Miku rhythm game. <laughs> don't judge me. <laughs> um, it looked kind of fun, to be honest. Middle Earth Shadow of Mordor? Middle Earth Shadow of Mordor. Um, that's probably out by the time this um, yeah, will be, yeah. podcast is released. Uh, um, my copy arrives tomorrow. That's all I can really say is I looked at it, I thought I'd try it out. Combat was fantastic. It went back to an old school method that I really loved, which was, okay, you're in the middle of a combat, you know, you've got your Batman out, you counter, you attack, you dodge. Mm. It all looks beautiful. Oh, wait, I've been slapped a few times. Okay, I'm just going to hide away and hope I heal up. Why am I not healing up? <laughs> what do you mean I need to go find health? <laughs> Retro. Yeah. It, yeah. It's, it's a proper pushing style of, okay, you've lost that much health. You're going to lose that much health until you go find some herb in the middle of a wilderness, which you can still get ambushed in and fucked up along oh, wow. the way. Now, here's the lovely part. Say you're, you know how they do this nemesis stuff where all these named bosses, you can fight against them and it changes the dynamics of the story. Mm. Now, if one of them kills you, or if you die in a fight and they happen to be there, their rank goes up. <laughs> wow. So, because they managed to survive you, get they get promoted. Oh, and other teammates can start changing ranks. So, I love this idea that every death matters, not just them, mm. yours. That's a really good game yeah. mechanic, actually. The the other good the other thing about this game that it, pretty much everybody I think was coming away from the Lord of the Rings games have had a bit of a problem where the the movies and the book have got this kind of um, the attitude about them is that they're epic yeah. they're these big epic things now personally I wasn't a massive fan of the book also wasn't a massive fan of the movies yeah. I appreciate them for what they are and I know that a lot of people like them however. I do appreciate that these things are epic. They're big. It's a big, huge story that's got so much lore behind it, and a lot of people get really involved. The games have not fed into that. The, ge- the previous games have not managed to tap into this kind of epicness. Even Lord of the Rings Online, which I really, really enjoyed, and I played that for quite a long time, yeah. didn't feel like you were in the middle of this epic adventure. This thing did. Even just watching it, 
it felt like you were in the middle of something huge, you know, that you were really, really kind of getting down and dirty. It might have been that the environments looked so rich. Yeah, maybe they needed looked... this generation of game uh, consoles to be able Possibly. to Possibly. You, you could have got away with this kind of thing much, much earlier. I just think maybe that they've been overreaching or not doing the right things. But this is, it's, it feels like such a departure from previous Lord of the Rings games. Yeah. But at the same time, it's almost reinvigorating the entire IP, and I, I like the look of it a lot. Okay. Well, before we hit WWE and Call of Duty, then did anyone play NBA 2K15? No. Nope. Uh, nope. Richard, let me down. Nope. nope. All right, what's the issue with WWE 15 or 2K15 then? Uh, primarily, it's shit. <laughs> See, this is. I stood back. I was. I was shoulder watching. This is where Rich can really lend a good hand because I said I've shoulder watched quite a lot of the games there because the queues were massive. Yeah. I shoulder watched looking at this game the first time. And it looks stunning. Yeah, it looks the characters, real, it? it looks so real, and it's, it just looks fantastic. You know, taking them out of the ring and the announcers' box, and just seeing like the announcers stand up, Jerry the King Lawler moving back and round the table to let you smash it out. Nice. I thought this looked amazing. I bumped into Rich, <laughs> and then this. Yeah, well, it played like an entire bag of shit. <laughs> it looks kind of amazing when you stand back. Yeah, when you're kind of, it's like you know, right? You're in a club. Yeah, there's a bit of a haze, there's loads of people there, you see a girl, you think, she's alright, yeah? From a distance, she's looking okay. As you get closer and you get a little hands-on, you're starting to notice the lumps in the wrong places, yeah, and the, and the things where they shouldn't be, and then you have to back away. It's yeah, kind of yeah. like what this game was, so I got I finally got hands-on with it, and again, I was playing this with Andrew from T-Pal, and it, was just, it felt so wooden, and clunky, and crap. And the other, a major problem, and again, I think this is another simulator-style issue. If you start getting beaten up, your guy's fucked, yeah? It doesn't take much for your guy to start getting quite badly beaten up. At this point, the only thing that you can do to get your get yourself out of it, because your guy is going to be stunned while, you're, while the other guy's just pummeling away on your fucking face, um, the only thing that you can do to get out of it is a reversal. Yeah. Right, which involves hitting, I think, like R1 or R2 at exactly the right moment. This game was lagging. This game was lagging badly. It was almost impossible to hit this reversal at the right moment. So pretty much right at the beginning of the game, whoever got the upper hand was going to win because there was nothing that you can do. But I was hitting punch. And sluggish does not even fucking... Right, so I was hitting punch. The control pad, I can only imagine, was licking and sticking a stamp and sending a (laughs) snail mail fucking letter to my dude, who was then picking up, going, ooh, punch, and then fucking attempting... At which point, the other guy's gone back to his hotel and is having a fucking margarita. So it was just so slow. It was so... Just balls yeah. and i i've got i i've got a history of absolutely loving wrestling games again when they're arcadey yeah. they have to be arcadey for me to enjoy these kinds of things because they're meant to be over the top they're meant to be crazy and all this kind of stuff and i don't know whether this was just a bad build or whether it, it's designed to be this way and it's too much of a simulator i didn't enjoy it but then also when you finally got into a flow yeah. when you finally got into like a, a, a little bit of to and fro you go for a grapple and as soon as you get into the grapple, it comes up with this fucking load of text down the bottom going, right, you're in a grapple. Now what you, now what you have to do is you both have to hit this stick in this direction. Try and guess what the other guy is hitting the, his stick in that direction. And we're both looking at it, and it takes us about 20 seconds to read this thing. Like, what the fuck's going on? And then neither of us understand what's happening, so we just, like, push some sticks. And then it goes, right, now you're out of the grapple, and this guy's got the upper hand. Now you have to decide what you're going to do. So you have to push this button, and, that, and I'm like... 
the fuck is going on? <laughs> what? What is happening? So it's completely broken the flow of the game. When you finally actually manage to get some flow going on, it completely interrupts it and sends you into this weird button mashing game mode that is completely at odds with everything else that you've been playing. When you finally get out of the ring and you start picking up objects, the objects look crap and wooden, they don't look right. It almost looks to me like they've put, spent far too much time making the crowd look incredible. And the crowd do look way better than they have done in previous wrestling games. But it it's just the experience that you got at that game. And even the person who was tending the stand looked bored. Because <laughs> she knew, she knew. Every single person that sat down in front of that game walked away going, well, that was shit. This one is an old build, isn't it? This is the six-month-old. I think, yeah, I think this is the game... Well, I heard afterwards that this is a, either an E3 build or it's a six-month-old build. Now, I don't know whether that was true or not, mm. but apparently it was an older build. I heard that from Chris. And But even so, it's, it's kind of unforgivable. These game shows are there to make or break games. They can, for hundreds and hundreds of people, make or break games, mm. and then this, the, this information gets out. Now, it might be that the actual release game is considerably better than that, but all we've got to go on it's is fair. what we've seen... Mm. And what we've seen ain't fucking good. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I wouldn't fucking buy it. I definitely wouldn't buy it. I mean, I think if there was a demo, and the best thing that they can probably do right now is release a demo on Xbox Live and, uh, and PSN oh, yeah. for people with to download. Code. With the Yeah, with the latest code. And just show people exactly what the fuck it is you're going to be getting. Because that's the only way you're going to win people back off the back of that. Mm. Okay. Right. Anything else before we hit up Call of Duty then? Because I want to finish with Call of Duty. Um... Now, there is more, but the rest of it is going to be all in the indie section. Do you want to finish at the AAA stuff first? Uh, yes, I'm just wary of the time. Um, I've got nothing more. Okay, yeah. Let's do Call of Duty, and then let's run through the, uh, the indies. Yeah, the indie's going to be, be reasonably-ish okay. short. Tell us your Call of Duty okay. story, Rich. Yeah, quite a fun it's time. It's amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. Do you know what? I, can't, I got in on the, on the Friday. And because we, we got in as press, we got in earlier than, uh, than most of the people. So I thought the biggest queue is, this weekend is going to be Call of Duty. Always. Yeah, there's just no, no two ways about it. It's such a big stand. And I thought, let's get it out of the way. Let's queue up. Let's do Call of Duty. Let's get it done. Because I've got to play it because people are going to ask me about it. So let's just do it. Let's just queue. So we queued up. Queue wasn't too long. We got to the front and we went. Um surprised the hell out absolutely surprised the hell out of me again the guys in the stand were really really great they were laughing and joking with everybody it makes a massive difference because it puts you in a really good frame of mind before you start playing the game um the it was just it was just a brilliant experience it was it's so difficult to describe the way i can describe it is titanfall the misgivings that i have with titanfall with the pilots only mode where everybody's whizzing around the map yeah. at a rate of knots obviously in in call of duty advanced warfare you've got this exoskeleton suit which is which allows you to kind of double jump and sprint forwards quite quickly and do these different maneuvers that you haven't been able to do in the previous call of duty games it adds much more of a 3d element to it because when you're chasing somebody you're not just chasing them down a corridor because at any given moment he could just jump off and land on the roof of a building and then fuck off in a different direction so there's so much more scope to the game and up and down and left and right and everything the pace is just as fast as you would expect from that kind of thing but it's not so fast that it's impossible to hit people so they've managed to get the balance perfect so that you even though people are bouncing around all over the place the physics are just gamey enough 
that you have got the right that you've got an ample amount of time to actually hit people while they're in the air or jumping at you or sprinting at you or you know whatever it is they're doing and it, it lends this kind of epicness to the game it feels like you you've, you've just done something immensely cool like a guy has just jumped out of nowhere and is now sprinting at you with a shotgun and you dive sideways do a skid and knife him and it just feels it just feels so so good everything about the experience that i got with the game bear in mind i am not great at call of duty i think cyril will be testament to this i am well, not you see that <laughs> well now yeah all right so i'm not great at these games and we've done game nights previously in ready player two where it's become pretty obvious i'm not really good at call of duty however first game i got absolutely annihilated second game is an objective mode where you've got to like pick up this orb and as soon as you pick it up you don't have you you lose all your weapons however i found quite early on that when you throw the orb if anybody else is in its path they immediately pick it up right. therefore relinquishing their weapons <laughs> which is hilarious so basically i just started legging it around this map and every time an enemy came at me, I just lobbed the ball at them. <laughs> <laughs> so then I was, they're now holding this entirely useless ball going, shit! And I've skidded at them and blown their head off or whatever it is I'm doing. And I just kind of got in the groove and I ended up winning. <laughs> and not just winning, they took me to one side and went, you were doing really well. And gave me a t-shirt and gave me this, uh, gave me this, um, this pass that let me come back in without having to queue, which was amazing because I went back in a couple more times. Um, yeah, again, the guys were really good fun. The game just, it feels different to Call of Duty. It's, it's, you, it's got the same polish, the same level of polish and experience that you would expect from Call of Duty and the pedigree that's gone into making the game. But it's different enough to the other games in playstyle and in mostly in fun. It doesn't really feel like a combat simulator anymore. It feels like, I don't know. It feels just, just, it feels like there is an element of fun that has been introduced into the game with this crazy jumping around all over the place and these more futuristic guns. And you've got people that have got these kind of giant, um, like dual wielded guns that are meant to be fitting on the side of a Humvee. Yeah. And they're just walking around and, and annihilating everybody. It's just great. It was just, it was a really enjoyable experience. Uh, the, the few times that I went in and played the game, I had a, an equally fun experience. I didn't quite manage to uh, repeat my success the first time. <laughs> I, uh, I got quite annihilated, but a lot of it depends on how well your teammates are doing and whether or not they're paying attention to the objective or just trying to kill the other team. Mm. But I, I swear to God, had I actually managed to play the single player, and I think this is a big thing because I only actually got the multiplayer experience. And for me, the Call of Duty games hinge quite heavily on the single player i really really enjoyed a single player in the modern warfare series um i would have given it game of the show <clears throat> had wow. i been able to play had i get had i <laughs> and that's coming from rich yeah and that's coming from me L is had screaming i, I know, do you know what I mean? <laughs> had i been able to play the single player i would have i would definitely have given it game of the show it was that much of a surprise and it was just it. It I wasn't bothered before I got there. I wasn't bothered. I wasn't bothered about queuing for it. I wasn't bothered, that bothered about playing it. I just thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. There were only two game modes to play. There was only a couple of things that you could do in it, but it was fun. And you started the story by saying, "I'm going to play it to get out of the way." Yeah, that was no. That was exactly it. That was exactly what I was trying to do. Just play it to get out of the way, and I just, I just loved it. Every time I went to play something else, I was thinking, "This is really good," but it's not Call of Duty. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, if anybody's kind of fallen out of love with the franchise a little bit and possibly thought, well, you know, there's maybe not so much craziness, there's not so much fun involved in this game, because I know a lot of the problem with a lot of people when they're playing this game is people get so heavily into Call of Duty, yeah. and they get so good at it, and they level up so much 
that if you're coming into the game late or you're just trying to enjoy it for some fun, you get just blown straight off the map. Yeah. You can't play. You can't enjoy yourself. I think that's going to be less of an issue with this. Not not an issue because <laughs> there will always be those people that are just crazy, crazy good at it. But the level of fun in this game was considerably higher than it has been for me in the previous games. Excellent. <sighs> so hopefully a potential uh, ready to play Thursday with that one. Yeah, Rich needs yeah. to buy next gen console though. Yeah, I just need to buy next gen. Well, current gen still. console. Yeah, current gen. It's still next gen for me. Man. It's fine if you buy a Oculus. <laughs> get Hammer to buy your Xbox One. It's fine. It's not going to happen. I have to sell one of the kids. <laughs> right. Okay. We're going to have a quick break because I don't know about you guys, my fucking mouth is dry. Um, we're going to have a quick break. We're going to try not to talk too much longer because we know that this, this podcast has been going on for a long time. We're going to come back. We're going to talk briefly about the indie games that we've seen. Now, I know we do like to talk quite a lot about the indie games. However, what we're going to do is wait until next week when we've hopefully got a full complement of, guest, of, uh, of hosts. Yes. <laughs> and we will talk more about the indie game section but what I'd like to do just quickly is talk about the guys that we met the people who were nice uh, not necessarily about the games themselves but briefly and we'll talk about the actual games more when we've got uh, when we've got all the other guys in because I know they like to talk about their indie games alright quick break back in a minute October we told you about Fisher Price's Cuddle and Kudol with an apparent hidden message it said Islam is the light well now the phrase seems to have been found again hidden in another popular children's toy News 10's Jessica Hayes spoke exclusively with the local mother who made that discovery months ago Rachel Jones was shocked to discover her four-year-old's baby doll seemed to have a hidden message Imagine her surprise when a game for her eight-year-old daughter's Nintendo DS had the same message. Rachel said she bought this Nintendo game, Baby Pals, as a gift for her eight-year-old daughter after a good report card. She had no idea that the game also contained the hidden message, Islam is the light. We were sitting in the kitchen and she was playing it and all of a sudden she looked at me and I looked at her and she said, Mom, I think my baby said something. And so I played it back. It says, Islam is the light. The messages sound exactly the same. The Nintendo game has an E rating, which means it's suitable for any age. In a virtual reality setting, the child playing the game can feed the baby or teach it to crawl, among other things. It's only when the child gives the baby a bath that it repeatedly seems to say, Islam is the light. Joan says she's angry. This is the second toy she's had to take from her children. Not just my daughter's toys, but we have a son, too. You know, now I feel like I need to listen to all of his little toys to make sure they're not saying it. Nintendo's representatives said the game is manufactured by a third party, so they're not responsible for the content. But the game's packaging clearly states the game is licensed by Nintendo. It still shocks me to think about I'm like, I, I can't believe it. You can decide for yourself whether to buy this toy for your child. In Knightsville, Indiana, with photojournalist Trevor Keller, Jessica Hayes, News 10. Right, we're back. We're going to have a brief run-through of the indie section. Again, as I said before, we're going to try and do this, cover this a little bit more in the next podcast because we do love to talk about our indie games. But I, there was a couple of games that I saw and mostly the game developers that I spoke to that I really wanted to highlight because CGX pod, and I wanted to make sure that they got a mention. So... Ciro, have you got any indie developers that you saw or any indie games that you saw that you wanted to highlight? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> Actually, it's one section I kind of left to you while you were doing all the sit-downs. What I did say, I can only say one thing, and that was about Dream. Last year, we saw the sort of... Down, they were downstairs. We saw it. We got on with the Oculus, and it had some outside um, desert scenario. Mm. 
this version looked like very much indoor complex. It looked such a different build from the last thing we saw. So vastly different, it was barely recognisable. Yeah, but they've added that, absolutely tons. The Dream they've added great. They're, they're the prob- I think we said this last year, but they're the, li- they're the nicest guys at EGX. <laughs> These uh, The guys at Hypersloth, and also now I nearly caught Ashley out, and I might get in trouble for saying this, but I... Um, They've finished. They've effectively finished the game, and the build that they've just brought out or are just about to bring out is effectively the 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 one just before the actual full release of the game, which we're really excited about. Now, since we saw saw them last year, there are now nightmares in as well. So not just dreams, stuff started going wrong. So there are nightmares in the game. There are split dreams, and they're just about to put in all the multiple endings into the game as well. It looks phenomenal. It it looks like it is playing way 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 better than it did last year as well. We didn't get to get hands on with the Oculus because it didn't have one at the stand this year, but doesn't matter, doesn't matter that much. It just looks like a fantastic game. They had no space um, for it. However, yeah, that's true. However, I did say to him, "Oh, great, yeah, looking really good." And he goes, "Yeah, yeah, we're yeah, we're just about finished." I said, "Great." So what's the next game? He goes, "Well, it's it." Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get this one out first. We're not talking about that yet. <laughs> Uh, so they, by the sounds of things, they have got something in the works. Cool. Uh, but I think he nearly tri- tripped over himself saying what it was. <laughs> but yeah, we met the guys from Hypersloth. Dream looks fantastic. It's coming out very shortly, so make sure you get hold of it. Um, go over. It's on Steam at the moment already in early access. So it's a a kind of puzzle, atmospheric exploration game. You won't believe how good an indie game can look until you've seen it this thing being played. Even last year. Go, go have a look. Yeah, it was amazing. Um, now. The first set of guys that I went up and talked to while I was there were the um, the guys from Dan Games. Now, I've seen this game before. It's called Calvino Noir. It's a side-on kind of 20s, 30s era um, puzzle adventure uh, detective style game. If you've ever played Commandos, which is top-down, this is a si- almost a side-on version of that. You get different characters and, and all the rest of it. It's coming out on iPad and Android, so it's it's... The control scheme is very, very much geared towards those kinds of games. Yeah. It looks beautiful. <laughs> it looks really, really good. Um, interestingly as well, and this is where I mostly want to talk about the developers here, I, I said to this, the, the guy stood next to me, who it turns out was Dan from Dan Games, <laughs> and, um, and I was saying to him, I've, I've enjoyed, I played it for about 10, 15 minutes, it's an enjoyable game. The lighting effects on it for a side-on game look beautiful. Now, bear in mind, this is the first time they've had a playable build of the game. So e- EGX is the first time they've had a playable build of the game available. But prior to that, it's all been animated GIFs and videos. Yeah. And I've said to him, I've got to be totally honest, for me, it was a little slow. And he went, right, whipped out a notepad, <laughs> and off he went. And everything that I said, he was noting down. They were, they, they were all came over. They were all talking to me about what I thought about the game. And you know what I'm like? I'm brutally honest. And especially with indie games, the whole point in indie games is get involved. Tell the developers what you think. Give them constructive criticism. And this early in the game's development is definitely the time to do that. So I said to him, for me personally, it's a little slow. For other people, I'm sure they'll love it like that. But just for me... A little bit slow. Lighting effects were really nice. However, I didn't like this That's that much, or maybe this could be changed. And they took everything on board. Now, after EGX, they posted a picture on their Twitter account right. of a huge board that they have in their office with post-it notes. And every single post-it note that was on there was a suggestion from a gamer that had come and played that game oh, wow. while they were at EGX. So now they were working on all of these things, that pe- and they're going to try them all out, see if they work for the game, and if they don't, they'll drop them. If they do, they'll leave them in. Yeah. 
which is a great way of doing yeah. it. The guys, the guys were brilliant. They were really open. They were obviously enthusiastic about the game. And they were really nice, and they were the first people of the day that gave me a crazy selfie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you so, seen these on our Twitter account and Richard's Twitter account. Yeah, so kudos to them because they were absolutely brilliant. Um, who else was there? Fearless Fantasy uh, by Tiny Build Games. This was probably the weirdest indie game that I saw, and I saw some fucking weird indie games, and I'm including in this the Drag Queen, uh, the Drag Queen Simulator indie game. Fearless what? Fantasy, yeah, seriously. Fearless Fantasy is the the combat style from Final Fantasy. However, it, because it's on um, touchscreen devices, so it's on um, Android, iPad, all the rest of it, effectively what happens is you choose your attack like you would in normal Final Fantasy style combat, yeah. and then as soon as you kick it off, it comes up with like a kind of what I can only describe as a uh, what was it? Fruit it? Ninja style, wasn't it? Yeah, it was like Fruit Ninja style, but you had to be incredibly accurate. <laughs> so it was almost like Guitar Hero, where the things would have to line up, and then you'd swipe your finger in the exact in the exact motion that this thing had come up on the screen. Or if you've got an attack where you've got to kind of do four attacks with a sword or something, you'd have to swipe, 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 swipe. And depending on how you hit these things that were popping up on the screen, these arrows that were popping up on the screen, depending on how much damage you did, how accurate you were with your attacks, and that kind of stuff, it it took Final Fantasy-style quite plain battle sequences to a quite enjoyable different level. It was quite nice. It yeah, wasn't... so when you hit attack, you basically saw like a slash line appear on the screen. You had to get a match, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. Nice. And you had to hit, you had to do all of your combat like that, and your healing and all the rest of it. It's not going to set the world on fire. I'm not going to lie. I did quite like the dev. He was a little bit down, <laughs> which was a real shame. Effectively, what happened, I gathered afterwards, was that um, there were two of them working on this game. Just two guys working on this game. Right. And a week before EGX, the other guy quit. Oh. He just left. So this poor dev was there on his own with his girlfriend, <laughs> who wasn't involved in the game at all, I don't think. But she was having a great um, time, was she? And was just uh, bless him, and I think he was he was a little bit forlorn and not really sure what was going mm. on. So anyway, that was that was pretty good, and that was a good pick for the day. Uh, the other one, L.A. Cops. Oh, Jesus Christ, yeah. this is cool. <laughs> this is really cool, and these guys probably gave me one of the best selfies of the day. Um, so L.A. Cops is proper seventies. If you ever played a game uh, called Interstate seventy six. Yeah. Um, which was a very kind of 70s, uh, drab-coloured 70s kind of pop culture-style game. The art style of LA Cops mirrors that almost exactly. And it's a, it's a top-down game similar to uh, Hotline Miami, where you're running around shooting people and all the rest of it. But there's two cops, and you can flick between both of them, or you can give orders to the other cop. And you, they, they run around, and it's really fast-paced. It's really enjoyable. It's a small indie game, but the, considering they've only been working on this since I, I think they said May, <laughs> they've been working on it since May, and it looks like it's basically complete. <laughs> so I don't know whether they slept <laughs> um, or not, but uh, that's an early access available at the moment on Steam. It's called LA Cops. Really, really good. And again, the guys there were amazing. It was really good fun talking to them, and they were really enthusiastic about the game. Uh, and again, they were really, they paid attention to everything that you were saying and they listened to it. All, all the criticism or constructiveness that you gave, they were definitely paying attention. That's so, the best thing about the indie devs, I find. Well, that's the best thing about the indie section entirely because the, with the other sections, with the AAA games, 
the people that you're talking to, they're marketing guys. Yeah, they don't really care, do they? Yeah, well, they do care, but they're there to sell the yeah. game. They're not there to make changes to the game. They're ma- there to make changes to your mind. That's the difference. They're not there to make the game different to suit you. They're there to make you different to suit the game. Yeah. <laughs> if you go to the indie section, it's entirely the other way around, because the people that you're talking to are the actual developers of the games themselves. Because they can't afford to pay somebody to go and sell the fucking thing for them. So, and yeah, and they know you're the target demographic, so yeah. they don't really care. Yeah, so it's just it was just brilliant talking to the developers, seeing the games, especially in the, in the case of Dream and another one that I'll talk about in a minute, Rad Boarding. Um, see, seeing them change year by year when they come to the show, brilliant, mm. it's absolutely amazing. Um, so yeah, quickly from that, I'm going to go on to Rad Boarding. Oh, mate, it's just brilliant. I tell you what, the difference the difference in this game since last year is just unbelievable. For what was and still is in most respects, essentially a very basic. Um, snowboarding game on on the iPad and Android it's changed so much there's so much more in the game you level up you get new costumes you you get like special uh, tricks and skills and it's add, like, added like almost a 1080 snowboarding style feel to it but still being so crazy because the entire premise of the game isn't that you're snowboarding it's that you're riding out the apocalypse in style yeah. so the entire pr- premise of the game is the world is ending and the only way that you can survive it is by uh, snowboarding away from the impe- incoming lava streams <laughs> and explosions. See, I had a big problem with this game because I thought this game was nothing more than a crappy remix of Ski Safari. Oh, really? Did you play really? it? Really? I've, like, I've played Ski Safari mainly because I did, did an Adventure Time version of it and it was exactly the same. You know, you're skiing downhill. Okay, you don't have the swipe to do tricks which Radboarding does have and it's a but everything else is almost the same. You know, you go up, down, you jump, and you press the, the screen to dive down onto it. It was the one game I looked at. It's like, I don't know why this game belonged here. Now, I've got just... to say, right? I haven't played Ski Safari, so I suppose I don't have much... To, I probably did wasn't comparing it to it. But another thing that they had on the uh, boarding was they've added bosses, which on a game like that is really bizarre. But the first time it happened, okay, it scared, the sh- scared the shit out of me. So I'm going down the hill, and I'm doing all these tricks and everything. So I get further down the level, and a giant bear in, I think, a party hat <laughs> turns up in the background. Just like giant, just absolutely enormous. And effectively, it comes up and goes, impress me. <laughs> and you have to impress this giant bear by doing specific tricks as you're going off all the jumps and stuff like that. So you're now not just escaping from the lava and trying to get points and tricks and stuff. Okay. You've got to beat this boss by doing certain sets of things and getting a certain amount of points in a certain amount of time. And as you're going, you'll get these different bosses and these different events that happen as you're going through. It looks really good. The graphics are really nice on it as well. Considering what it is, and it's quite a small mobile game, I sat there playing it for a lot longer than I should have done. <laughs> so, yeah, I didn't actually see the bossing. That sounds kind of funky. It is, it's cool. I mean, it's the same thing as, uh, as Angry Birds and a lot of other games like that. There's only a certain amount that you can do. <laughs> yeah. on, you know, there's going to be an element of repetition with games on, on um, iPads and stuff like that. If they're done well, it can make all the difference in the world. Mm. So anyway, I really enjoyed that. Again, the dev was a really nice guy. Marky was called, and uh, I played that, chatted to him for a while. That was good. Uh, right, there's other ones. Anyway, look, there's only one more I really want to talk about because it was absolutely fucking incredible. And if you look at this game, there is absolutely no way that you could think this is not incredible. The game is called Never Alone. Right. Uh, it's by Eli Media. 
this, this, the game is just, it looks amazing. I don't know if you saw this. We actually showed a video about this a little while ago, or we discussed it a little while ago. This is, a, there was an early, act, uh, an early idea, a concept of a, a kind of little Inuit child who was moving through the snow and had a little white fox with them. And they were being pummeled by snow and kind of ducking their head down and trying to drive through this snow that was coming at them. You didn't really understand what was going on. You didn't know the premise of the game. It was just a piece of, it was a concept. Well, this is the game that has come from that. And it looks amazing. It's a side-scrolling game uh, designed for two people. You can play it on your own, but it's designed for two people. Right. One of you plays as the little girl. Uh, I think it's a girl. And one got a big hood on. And one of you plays as the fox. But the whole thing is, if one of you dies, the other one just... And it's kind of sad, but the other one just breaks down. <laughs> so if one of you, so if the fox dies, the little girl just curls up in the snow. Mm. Because... Ah. Be, and it's, it's really touching, actually. <laughs> but the, the great thing about this is that the, the devs are so in touch with everything that's going on with this game. And so one of the questions I, said, I asked was, is there an online component to this? Can you play this with, with somebody else? And the dev said no. This game is all about emotional content and emotional component, and you don't get that effect with somebody who is the other side of the internet. Mm. This game is designed to be played by two people sat next to each other. Yeah. And that was I it. Like and that. So another another guy that I had never met <laughs> just comes up, sits down, picks up the pad, and we start playing this game together. And I tell you what, in a bizarre way, I felt connected to this dude <laughs> that I'd never met that had a weird beard and was sat next to me at EGX playing a game. <laughs> And it was it was really nice. There was this lovely little synergistic thing. And there's things that the fox can do that the girl can't. There's things that the girl can do that the fox can't. You have to work together. You have to do things together. And underlying this entire thing is every level is based on um, actual stories, folklore and stories um, of... Now, I don't want to get this wrong, but uh, I'm not going to say Inuit. I mean, I think it's uh, the, the people that live in Alaska. Yeah, Alaska and native yeah? people. Yeah, Native Alaskans. Um, so it's all based on either real stories and the way that they live. So, for example, one of the levels, which has got kind of rickety um, buildings that are on these what look like thick bamboo poles sticking out of the ground. And it looks a little bit arbitrarily built for a platformer. At the end of it, it unlocks a video. Now, you don't have to watch it. It's not, it doesn't force it on you, but it unlocks a video. So you can push pause and have a look at this video, which shows you how these Native Alaskan people lived because they had no other choice. And literally, they've got these buildings on the side of this snow-driven hill mm. that, out of necessity, are on poles. And they look incredibly rickety, exactly like the level did. And you've got people that are living really high up on these buildings that are really up high up on these poles to keep them away from the snow. So the entire point in the game is it's trying to show you the history and, and all the rest of it of these people if you're not into that it doesn't matter just play the game it's really good fun but i quite liked the fact that the game has got a lot of emotional content anyway and it's trying to educate you and show you some other stuff as well which is really nice and it's a game that's really accessible for children too so maybe they can learn some yeah, shit yeah it looks beautiful it's, it looks amazing it's on xbox one and ps4 as well yeah xbox one ps4 and pc Brilliant. i played it on pc wicked there you there go, go. Oh, indie devs we love you give us some love man. indie Indie devs, we love you. Uh, I think that's it. I think that's all the indie games that um, that I actually sat down and played. Although I did, uh, unfortunately, again because it was so packed, I didn't actually get managed to get hands on with all of the ones I wanted to do. But I did shoulder watch a few and speak to a few of the devs. Uh, oh, and I went over and saw the guys from Future Lab as well, who were all amazing, Wicked. as they always are. Uh, and that's it. There we go. That's the indie <laughs> games. We'll talk about them all next week. We're we gonna have a quick game. Yeah, a little five ten minute game. 
Fuck me, I'm gonna go get a drink and we're gonna have a game. Back in a second. <laughs> okay, I've been playing fucking Call of Duty for fucking 17 hours straight. I'm fucking upset, I've got milk on my fucking lips because I don't give a shit, I just don't. And who gives a shit if I make a murder mess? So, I just punched, I fucking punched the wall, like, twice, both hands. I'm so fucking upset. Game time. We're all a little bit hoarse, mostly me because I was <laughs> talking all the time. Um, so <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna end things on a jovial note, As we do. which is which isn't just me talking about fucking games that I played over the weekend and you didn't. <laughs> so, no. um, so we're gonna have a little game. Uh, so uh, Brucey, would you like to take it away and tell us what we're doing? <laughs> yes, I will do. We're gonna play a spin on uh, play your cards right. So the, yeah. yes, we're gonna play basically uh, play your game franchises right. I've got a list of 1 to 50 of the best-selling game franchises ever. Uh, what the guys will do is they'll start with a random number, as you do with it on the uh, play card, right? You get a random card, and you just guess higher or lower after that. So, I'm going to flip a coin to see who goes first. Uh, Sarah, as you're a guest, heads or tails? Oh, tails never fails. Uh, and it doesn't in this case. Do you want to go first or second? Oh, second. Okay, Rich, you're up first then. Son of a fuck. <laughs> go on then. Suck it. So there's no time limit. You just go until you get one wrong, really. Which, uh... So if, what happens if I don't answer? Does that mean like I'm semi-victorious and win by default? <laughs> it does, and you never come on again. There. That shit. <laughs> right, so Rich, your playing card to begin with is number 14 in the all-time best-selling game franchises. Okay. And that is Pro Evolution Soccer. Oh, wow. Now, okay. do you think that... Pro Evolution Soccer has sold more games in its franchise history, and it goes back quite a while, than Halo. Higher or lower? Is Halo higher or lower than Pro Evo? Uh, higher. Oh, Rich, you're out already. What? Halo. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> hang on, hang on. Whoa, 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 whoa. By higher, are we talking a higher number as in... 
as in 15, 16, 17, or higher as in higher on the charts? I mean higher on the charts as in uh, copies okay, sold. Okay, fine. That's that's what I meant, in, in which case I'm still waiting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just so people know, Pro Evo has sold 81.65 million copies in its uh, life uh, since 2001, and Halo has sold 50 million in the same amount of time, 2001. Oh, fuck you. So there you go. Okay. You've busted out a one. I'll give you one. All right. <laughs> bring it on, Brucey. Bring it this on. Maybe the best of three we might play here. Um, zero. <laughs> to win, just get this one right, basically. Your right. random number to begin with is Halo, 27. Right, we got it. I'm going to give you... Hang on, hang on. Your random number to begin with is the centre of the 50. <laughs> That's not fair. I don't care. I am not complaining. You've yeah. effectively got 50... Fi- Fine, do it. <laughs> so, 2001's Halo. Has that sold more or less than the... In- hang on, hang on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. 2001's Halo? Well, I thought it was a whole franchise. Yes, it began in 2001. Alright, fine. Alright. <laughs> Has that sold more than the entire Lego franchise? Ooh. This takes yes. in all Lego games. You're saying yes, and yep. oh, you're correct. Lego is actually 28 on the list. I would just like to point out a major fact that most people will not get that during episodes 1 to 10, when I was a founding member, I won. One fucking game. <laughs> That's true, actually. I completely Do you think that? I forgot this? No chance. <laughs> well, you're away now. You've won the first round. Do you want to carry on with this one? See how far you can get? Yep. Let's go. Okay. Uh, so, from Lego at 28. Uh, so, 49 million, by the way. We will go next to... Resident Evil. Is that sort oh, yeah. of more or less than Lego? Less. Yes, oh, you've busted out as well. It sold actually 60 million. Damn. Yeah. So. Yeah, we're talking in the in the eastern regions as well, though. I guess. Oh shit. Yeah, worldwide sales. Biohazard. These. So yeah, well, Sarah wins the first round. Let's play another round. Rich, do you want to go first this yep. time or second? We'll let you choose. Fuck okay, it, I'll go first. Okay. <laughs> shit, by the way. Your random number is number 10, and number 10 on our list is Wii Sports. Fuck off. <laughs> Seriously, that thing's up. Really? Oh, every weed, them. isn't it? <laughs> right, fine. Yeah. Has The Legend of Zelda sold more or oh. less? I'm going to keep you oh, Nintendo yes. based here. <laughs> now, that's, that's difficult be because we, are we just, is it just Wii Sports or Wii Sports Resort as well and the other ones that they've come out uh, with? I shall check. Two seconds. Um, Fuck, it matters. I still don't know what the answer is. Um... Do you know, I'd love to. I'd love to very, be very confident here and say that the answer should be one way, but it's probably <laughs> not going to be right. Fuck well. it, I'm going to go. I'm going to go with my heart, not with my head. I would hope to Almighty Hell that Zelda, in its entire lifetime, uh, across its all of its generations, has sold more than a shitty game that was given away with all the Wii's. Be prepared to be depressed. Oh, Legend dear. of Zelda since 1986 has sold 68.13 million copies. Nice. Wii Sports uh, since 2006 has sold 109 million copies. Alright, come on, bring Once the victory. Bring the victory. My common sense fucking defeated out. <laughs> Don't worry, I'd, uh, I would have bet the exact same way. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that makes me feel well better, thanks. You go ahead and win again. Right. This, as this is a decider, I'm not going to give you the number that this, this game series came in. Zero. All right, uh, but we're going to go with 
Final Fantasy. Alright. So the entire franchise of Final Fantasy. Has that sold more or less than the FIFA franchise? Oh, that's a bit difficult. Mm. I think that's quite easy, actually. <laughs> entire franchise, that's a hell of a lot of games. The entire franchise. I'm going to go for Final Fantasy selling more. Oh, he's gone for it, and he's, he's got the win. Final Fantasy since 1987 has sold 110 million copies. The first one came out in the NES, for God's yeah, sake. Yeah, it doesn't mean anybody bought it. The, um, <laughs> yeah, but the, the, again, you're talking the eastern regions here, aren't you? Yeah. So. Yep. FIFA, to its credit, since 1993, 100 million they've sold. Every right. 10 million difference. Depressingly, uh, Wii Sports is less than a quarter of a million away from beating Final Fantasy in this list now. Wow. Jeez, but thankfully, no one's buying Wii Sports anymore. <laughs> yes. So there we go. That was a quick game. Zero's win. Rich, you're not going to get this. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa! Is that is that all? It's fine. Right, the end of the podcast. It was best of three. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not coming back again, am I? No, never. Sorry, Victoria. It's going to be another another forty episodes before you want to get. Look out for oh. zero on episode eighty-six. Right then, <laughs> this has been the uh, Ready Play Zero episode forty something or other. Uh, the bumper pack EGX by me get zero free. <laughs> episode of Ready Player 2 as well. thank you if you've managed to stay all the way through good god well done because you know I checked out halfway through that um, so congratulations you made it to the end of another Ready Player 2 podcast we're going to be back in a couple of weeks time with a slightly more traditional podcast in which we are probably going to be talking shit that we don't know about and possibly some more indie games um, and hopefully soon we're going to get zero one again because it's been far too long and actually you're making me a little bit moist <laughs> Darling. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so thank you very much. I've been Rich. You can find me uh, on Twitter at Zebwen. You can find me on YouTube at NewbieFile. That's N-E-W-B-E-5. I'd just like to say a massive thank you very much to Mr. Christopher Coleman from T-Power and Mr. Andrew, Andrew Tanner and Lauren as well, who looked after me this weekend, saw me on and off the tube, made sure that I didn't die, which is obviously a big worry when I'm travelling on public <laughs> transportation. Uh, and also... Uh, Christopher Coleman put me up in his house on his sofa because unfortunately plans had fallen through somewhat and it was either that or I was going to be sleeping in the cardboard box so thank you very much guys you saved my weekend Um, that is it that has been me I'm going to be back here next week a person who isn't going to be back here next week is Mr. Ciro Blade Ciro would you like to tell everybody where people can find you you can find me in the unemployment line now and (laughs) next to the cardboard box uh, Richard would be residing nope I am Ciro Blade you can catch me on Twitter at at Ciro Blade Twitch at the Zero Blade, and everywhere else is generally the Zero Blade. And as your moral old words would go, just Google me. <laughs> just Google him, <laughs> Mr. Ross for Bellbag. Would you like to tell everybody where people can find you on the interwebs? Indeed, you can find me at uh, Ross Bell nine twenty four on Twitter or at Man on the Post, which is the podcast um, I do talking about football. Uh, yeah, every Sunday it's out every uh, every Sunday night because I do no editing on it at all. I like this podcast. So what we say gets released, basically. <laughs> Lots of slander every week. Um, but yeah, uh, just listen to that. It's good fun. If you like football. If you, if you don't like, like football. Yeah, that contains more racism than John Terry's lips. Ooh. Neither confirmed or deny this. You have to listen to find no, out. No, 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 really anyway, thank you very much for listening. We have been Ready Player 2. Cyril has been a little bit Ready Player 2. Thank you very much. Good night. Good night. Right.
What's that? You can play like um, play your cards right. You have to get higher or lower. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Right, are we talking about your penis? Yes. Cool. Lower. No. <laughs> 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 I tell you what. In terms of game content, this is going to have more than any podcast we've ever done. <laughs> yeah. The anal anal jokes to game ratio is uh, well down this week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.